Hello and welcome to the all new, all different number one comics podcast, episode number 54. 53 more times. That's all I gotta do. 53, and then I am golden with Bob. That's all that matters. Uh, we are a weekly comic book podcast, and each and every episode, we take a look at a first issue comic book newly released that week, break down the story and art, let you know if we think that you should move on to issue number two or not. Uh, we also talk a little bit of comic book and related news when and if that exists, as well as what's new at comic book shops this and next week. Bob, uh, by the way, that's Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. I'm Dan. Okay, now I feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. I was on the edge of my seat, too. Like, wait, who, who the hell is this guy? I can go on <laughs> with life. Yes. Uh, it's, in, it's important once a week, at least, to be reminded of who you are, you know? <laughs> uh, everyone should take the time and just... Introduce yourself. Say your name out loud, whether you're in the car, uh, on a subway, uh, hanging out with friends, whatever. Just make sure everybody knows your name. If you're on a subway, you might get a few odd looks. If you're on a subway, you're probably getting a few odd looks either way. Uh, Very whether true. they're Very warranted, <laughs> whether they're not. Uh, Bob, this week we're going to be taking a very deep dive into the all-new number one from Image in association with Skybound. Uh, Cobra Commander. That is correct. Cobra Commander, part of the Intergon, Intergon. Intergon. Okay, Intergon universe. You say Intergon again, I'm going to jump over this table. It, exactly, I, I mess it up every time, right? <laughs> uh, it's just a thing now, I kind of have to. But... Do not, do not <laughs> mess up Transformers around uh, me. Yes, yes, uh, Transforming <laughs> Machines, right? That's what they're called? Uh, semi-truck robots. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess you're semi right. Well, what was the other uh, GoBots? Right, that's the uh... you know a, a fun a fun fact. Just yes. uh, just to throw out a non uh, comic book related fact. Mm -hmm. Actually, it turns out that one of the pitched names for GoBots, which we all know is the redheaded stepchild of uh, Transformers. Mm -hmm. One of the pitch names for GoBots was Transformers. Oh wow! And so they predate Transformers. Well, no, they they uh, one of one of the genius marketing executives uh -huh. at Tonka, who owned uh, GoBots at the time, mm -hmm. thought that it would be um, too. What's the word I'm looking for? Not not confusing, but. Um, to, well, yeah, I, I guess that would be the right word to say. Too yeah, confusing, too confusing. Mm -hmm. for people if it was actually called Transformers. Oh. So it's kind of like, you know, you got toys that transform into robots, so what's <laughs> confusing about that? It's right on the nose. Uh, they're Transformers, not... Tra yeah, I, yeah, great question. I don't know. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll return in just a moment. Welcome back to the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast, episode number 54. 52. Yep, 52 more times to go. Bob, we're going to hit him with a little bit of news. Of course, as you know, as you know, news is very light. News has been very light lately. It's sad, but that's just what's happening. Yeah, and I mean, it, that's going to happen beginning of the year. Yeah, sure. Uh, so so we don't have a lot of exciting news. Um, yeah, uh, not really. <laughs> I guess first off, Fox has announced that they're doing an animated ElfQuest series. I know absolutely nothing about ElfQuest. I, I, 
You know, I, I read I, I read that piece of news mm-hmm. and I'm just like, what is ElfQuest? I mean, I, I do know, you know, ElfQuest exists. I remember uh, Marvel putting out like an ElfQuest series at some point. I think Marvel did. Uh, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I, I could have sworn Marvel did. So. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not seeing any Marvel association here, but... Uh, but um, yeah, there's uh, the first appearance of Elf Quest was in 1977 in Fantasy Quarterly, which wow. is a uh, comic book by the publisher IPS, whatever the hell that is. Um, Bob, that's like you know on the high end, like a $500 book. So I don't know. Oh, I, guess, I guess some people are really, really into that. Yeah. Uh, and then in '78, they uh, Warp Graphics put out a ElfQuest magazine, which uh, features a reprint of the first appearance there. And yeah, um, there's I, I I don't know. I mean, there's I I know nothing about Elf ElfQuest. I assume it's like a big fantasy thing, uh, along the lines of I I don't I mean every time I think of like anything with elves or fantasy things or whatever, I'm just thinking Dungeons and Dragons, Lord of the Rings, like you know, fantasy epic type of ordeal so it's funny you mention that because while you were you know trying to explain ElfQuest, <laughs> yes you know i went to the the elf quest wikipedia page oh, okay. oh good call yeah better than wikipedia. trying to explain something you don't know about but... yes <laughs> um it's a comic book property created by wendy and richard peeney in 1978 mm. it is a fantasy story about a community of elves and other fictional species who struggle to survive and coexist on on a primitive Earth-like planet with two moons. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you were right about the fantasy aspect. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they're on the planet Tatooine. Yeah, yeah two moons there. Um, Yeah, I, I guess uh, the only thing it's missing is like some kind of big epic war or something. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it's got that in there, too. I'm guessing there's a quest involved. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, you gotta find the one ring and destroy it or something but uh wait a minute (laughs) wait a second where um yeah uh that's i I don't know i don't know bob uh that's that's really all i can say about it it's an animated series it says a drama series um an hour-long drama series so so is it gonna be um so is it gonna be basically uh lord of the rings on amazon yeah, I guess so. I, I, have you watched any of Lord of the Rings on Amazon? I haven't. Yeah. I have not. I have I've, not I've meant. To, I've meant to. Mm-hmm. And I haven't. Uh, I'm a Amazon Prime member, sure. so I can definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. But just I haven't given it a shot. Yeah, some of those fantasy like epics are so hard for me to get into. Now, I, I love the original. Or sorry, the Lord of the Rings from the early two thousands, like. That, that trilogy there i don't know if you call that the original trilogy i i'm, I'm not sure how that's supposed to be worded but uh you know uh, star wars i want to always call everything an original trilogy but um but yeah i i really liked that a lot that was a lot of fun but i i don't know i i think if it was i have a big problem with really investing in things now you know not going to the theaters and everything like it's so easy to get invested in something and really focus all of your attention on it and all of that when you're in a theater Mm -hmm. and when those were coming out you know i went to the theater to watch them and all of that now like sitting at home streaming stuff on on my own and everything a lot of times it's it's very hard for me to like get invested now you know like echo coming out this past week like i was very invested in that uh i liked echo a lot that was really really good and it held my attention um, I, I've sat down a few times and tried to finish season two of what if, and like, 
I mean, I'd go in and out. Like, I can't get super into it. Now, there was that one episode with the... Did you watch any of season two of What If? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, with the original character, the, the like, Native American character. Um, I cannot remember that Kahori. character. Ahori? Kahori. Oh, Kahori. Oh, okay. Um, now, that episode, like, had my attention. Like, yeah, I, that, I, I couldn't that, look at my phone. Like, I couldn't do anything else. That was the damn good episode. Yeah, I mean, my dog walked by, and I was like, get away from me. I'm not petting you right now. I'm watching this. Like, you know. That, yeah, that <laughs> it, was it, a really it good me, Yeah, that put me in a trance, dude. I was I was fully invested in that. Um, some of the other ones, like, I really wanted to love the 1602, and, like, it just dragged a little bit for me. I wasn't that into it. Um, the Happy Hogan one, I'm sorry. I, 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 I turned it off. I, I wasn't interested at all. Uh but yeah, just I, I noticed that, you know, going to the theater, I have such more buy-in, even for something that's not interesting. I remember uh, right when the pandemic, for, or, or, sorry, right before it hit, I remember going to the theater with a friend. Uh, we went to a, empty, a completely empty theater and watched that movie, Adrift, uh, and, and it was a terrible movie, and I was fully invested. You know, sat there and watched the whole thing, uh, no problem. But then I, I try to watch, you know, one of my favorite movies at home and I'm picking up my phone and I'm, you know, uh, walking away and all that. So, yeah, the theater really does uh, hold uh, like a lot of value, you know, as far yeah. as like uh, building uh, an audience for stuff and everything. Uh, it's a really kind of like an overlooked thing now with all the all the streaming and everything. I'm sad that I'm going to be watching the Marvels at home versus in the theater. But I mean, we kind of feel similar uh, sometimes, like just you know, packing into a crowded theater with COVID still going on and stuff just kind of scares me a little bit. So it's not something I'm super into. Well, uh, you know, un unlike you know, you were just saying about streaming services when you know you're on your own couch mm -hmm. in your own house and all that, as opposed to in the theater where you're not supposed to look at your phone. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know. I mean, it's still comfortable seating yep. or mm -hmm. semi-comfortable seating. So, I mean, the only thing is you have to be in a room with a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, I was actually, uh, this is a tangent. We'll, we'll get over this and, and go to the rest of the news in just a second, which, you know, barely exists anyway. So you're not missing too much. But, uh, I went on a GoBot tangent. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I, I was talking with a coworker yesterday and we were talking about uh, movies in the theater, ironically. And... Um, for some reason, it came up that uh, the last Men in Black movie that came out, like the I I, I can't remember if it was a prequel or what. Men in Black International. I don't know. It had uh, it had Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, and, and like a girl, yeah, that that a was lady in that, it. I can't remember her name, but that was I think that was supposed to take place about the same time, maybe a little bit after. Mm -hmm. You know the originals. Of course, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith did not yeah. surprise Yeah, they, they, they weren't in that. Um, I, I don't know. The reason I, I bring this up, like I have no recollection of what happened whatsoever. Uh, a good friend of mine got screener tickets for it. So we went to, you know, before the premiere and everything, mm -hmm. and we went and saw it. They did take our phones at that premiere. So we didn't have our phones with us. Uh, and, I mean, Bob, one of the worst movies I ever sat through in my entire life. I had, like, nothing else I could go to. You know, I'm just... I'm just sitting there watching this terrible movie, not retaining any yeah, of it. Yeah, I, I, I can't say it's... Uh, I mean, it, it's watchable. I can't say it's a great movie. I don't, I don't know. I mean, watchable for you, I guess. But <laughs> I, I definitely didn't share that sentiment. But, um, uh, yeah, that's... I, I guess all of the uh, news I can say about uh, Fox doing an ElfQuest animated series. Uh, next up, Bob, we've got... Now, now here's the question. Um, I know this is not The real. DC character? <laughs> no, there's there's... There's no DC news this week. I'm sorry. Uh, 
Star Spider is coming out in Edge of Spider-Verse number three in April. It's a new character. Uh, they're going to flesh out the entire universe for Star Spider. Bob, Bob, are we finally getting a Star Wars Marvel crossover? Are we getting a, a superhero? Is, is Star Spider going to be a Star Wars Spider-Man? Could it happen? Please, Bob, tell me yes. That would be that would be an epic character. <laughs> that would be such a great character, right? I mean, look, everything's right there. The writing's on the wall. Yeah. All you have to do is interject, uh, Spider-Man. You don't have to say anything about New York or the rest of the uh, Marvel universe or the six one six or anything like that. I guess this probably doesn't take place in a Spider character but... that hails from a galaxy far, far away. Dude, just let him like be web slinging out in space and then land on the Millennium Falcon. And then, uh, you know, they, they pick him up, throw him in the <laughs> ship, and, and he's Spider-Man's. He swings his lightsaber <laughs> and webs come out. How cool. I, I'm telling you, Bob, we're full of pitches today. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. yeah. Come at us, Marvel. Um, that is definitely, look, at some point, at some point, Bob, they have to cross over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Star Wars and, and Marvel characters. Like, how have they not... We talked about Guardians of the Galaxy before. I mean, something has has to give. They Like, are they really just out here, like, not utilizing their, their properties? Because there's other ones where they let the license go. Like, uh, like Conan. We had Conan for a little bit. He was on the Savage Avengers, all that. And now they've lost Conan. I assume... Uh, I, I don't know how long we're going to have Predator or Aliens or Planet of the Apes. Um... If those are like forever type of things, but uh, right now at least they've got Star Wars. Why not cross them over somehow? You know, I'm I'm actually surprised it's taken this long, as long as they've had both Star Wars and Marvel. I guess the question could be like, is there some kind of clause in there? Like, are they like this cannot happen? Like, it, it you know, I, I I don't know who owns. Uh, I mean, I know uh, you know obviously Disney and and all of that owns uh, both of the companies, but. I don't know, when George Lucas sold over the rights or something, did he say, like, hey, this has to be a completely separate universe that nothing else can intertwine with? Like, was that maybe a clause in there that we don't know about? Uh, I feel like if anybody knew, you would know, so... You know, but I will say it'd be something different. Yeah, exactly. Which is what movie fans want, something different. Yeah, do do something a little different. Uh, I mean... Take, take a... Uh, uh, what's, what's the word? Take a... Um, chance there you, you go. know i mean who doesn't who doesn't want to see deadpool against boba fett mm -hmm. yes exactly uh i do that that sounds really fun um you know who does, cool. i mean who doesn't want to see apocalypse against Emperor palpatine <laughs> very cool right I mean, really yeah i i think i mean obviously there's a way to do this um mm -hmm. and and uh, we, you know now that i think of it we're not even seeing like the crossover like in, in just covers or anything. Uh, we don't get that at all. Which no. you do get, you know, uh, Wolverine was what with Predator uh, a little bit ago. I, I don't know if aliens have crossed over. Yeah, with and, not, I, and, and I mean, we have gotten like these Disney character Marvel comic crossover, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, covers that are going on. Yeah, sure. The, but the we, ASM covers. Yeah. But I mean, we haven't gotten like, we haven't gotten Star Wars crossing over into marvel covers yeah can we i mean if they if for some reason they can't actually cross the universes can we at least do some covers yeah. you know uh yeah i i don't know man I'd, I'd love to see it and i know you'd love to see it being oh, yeah. a huge oh, comic book fan and then oh, you yeah. know being an even bigger star wars fan like cross it over a little bit they're doing uh this kind of thing uh joshua williamson or, or 
sorry, I don't know who was at the helm of that. I don't know if it was, uh, what's his name from Robert Kirkman or who, but whoever, you know, over at Skybound and Image is, is, is crossing over the G.I. Joe and Transformer oh, yeah. fan that, franchises. That, yeah, um, that's Kirkman. Yeah, uh, why not? You know, why, why not do it? Um, uh, again, we're kind of uh, tangent heavy today, but I think that's okay. Um, my last little bit of news is maybe crossover worthy. I, I don't know. I Look, you're going to have to – I'm going to say my opinion in, mm-hmm. the, in the head of this, but obviously have an open mind and tell me what you think this might be. So famously, you know, Ryan Reynolds always likes to uh, post, you know, crazy stuff on Instagram and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, don't know if it's like little leaks or, or if he's trolling or what, but um, today Ryan Reynolds posted a set – Sorry, you know the what are those chairs called, Bob? Like the chairs the director or the actors or whatever have like on set that's got their name uh, I just printed onto the back. Chair. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, a picture of, of those chairs on a set, on a jungle set at that. And, you know, there's a Logan chair and then a Wade Wilson chair. Um, and the font on those chairs is the Jurassic Park font. So my question is, I mean, I'm automatically thinking Savage Land. I think that's what a lot of people yeah, on the internet yeah, are thinking. Yeah. Uh, are they introducing the Savage Land? Are they doing something else? Could there potentially <laughs> be some Jurassic Park Oh my God, crossover? For, 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 for Dan's sake, yeah. please let it happen. Yeah, because that's, look, if I haven't explained it before, that's my thing. If, if Bob's thing is Star Wars, my thing is Jurassic Park. I love everything Jurassic Park related. Um, yes, I love uh, all of the newer movies too that, 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 that people don't love that much. Um, I love all the old Topps comics and, and, and everything. I'm, I'm a huge, huge Jurassic Park fan. And uh, As we can't tell by your um, Jurassic Park figures. Yeah, my little shrine on the wall there. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. um, You're missing the candles. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, we'll, we'll get those soon. Don't worry. <laughs> That, that would be a, a great idea, you know, like a little candle like that's the amber with the mosquito in it. Oh, that'd be great. Somebody should come out with that. Um, but yeah, uh, what what could be happening here? Is it that straightforward? Are they doing Savage Land? Is it just a little tease? Is it, uh, what could it be? Um, whatever it is, very exciting, very cool. Even if it's just a, a set photo and there's nothing more to it, still really cool. My, my, my only concern is would they make it too much Tarzan? <laughs> yeah, I guess because so. I mean, you think about it, Kazar is basically Tarzan. Yeah, sure, sure. Or I mean, could they be doing the type of thing like they did in Deadpool two, where you know maybe uh, Kazar just uh, comes out and then gets killed right away or something? You know, uh, uh, they're planning on killing a lot of uh, people in this, uh, oh, as yeah. far as we know. This is yeah. supposed to, you know, kind of put an end to all of the X Men crossover and and all of that. So, um, yeah. Some interesting stuff. This movie has the potential to do a lot of things. So uh, that is it for news. We're going to take a quick break and we'll return in just a moment. And we are back with episode number 54 of the all new, all different number one comics podcast. 
I was so close to saying 49. I'm not I sure know. why. I, I was know. like, wait a second. This is not <laughs> episode 49. This is No. No. <laughs> we, we traveled back in time to re-record episode 49. We're a little bit past. Was 49 that bad where we have to re-record it? You know, I'm actually I'm, I'm not too sure. No, no, 49 was a good one. We did Invasive. Uh, oh. Yeah, 49 was a fun and uh, ironically enough, Invasive number 2 is out this week. Yeah. So, uh uh, Bob and I both got that in our pools and are very excited that, to read it. So. See, that's one book you don't need to announce. Yes, uh, very, very good book. Um, yeah, definitely. God, definitely check that out. Yeah, I'm it, looking. It, I'm so looking check out that episode. issue number two. Yeah, exactly. If you haven't checked out issue number one, what are you doing? Yeah, for number one, uh, stop this episode. Go back and listen to episode forty-nine, and then you will know from there. Oh hell yeah, I should be reading this absolutely. Yes. So uh-huh, yeah. yes. Um, Bob, the new books that are out this week, uh, I don't know. Like I told you, I didn't spend $100 this week. It's a very, very light week for me. I can't well, believe I mean, it. I mean, and just like news, that's to be that's to be expected yeah, this sure. early in the year. I mean, we're not even out of the first month of the year. I don't know. I'm such a year person. I guess like uh, beginnings like mean something to me. I'm not too sure why. Like if I was publishing a comic book, I would demand that it's out the first week of January. And then, you know, uh, I I don't know why. Like it just it sounds so much cooler than like putting out a number one like in the second week of March or something. Well, that uh, that's kind of what they went for. What was it? Um, Secret Invasion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember, they started in January. Yep. But. Then you had all the publication delays mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, pushbacks and yeah. something that should have taken just the year to mm-hmm. like a year and a half. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, lots of delays lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, from Marvel this week, we got Avengers Twilight, number one. That's got the first appearance of a new Iron Man. And it's the first crossover of the Avengers and all of the Twilight characters from the movie Twilight. <laughs> Uh, Edward, Jacob, Bella. Um, who else was in, in Twilight? Uh, I have no clue. I didn't watch the movies. All, all the Cullens. Um, Bella's dad. Uh, Bella's mom is probably in there. That really bad CGI um, baby. Yeah, the CGI baby yeah. is definitely in there. First appearance of the CGI baby. Absolutely. Uh, really. Do they kill her right off the bat? No, that's I. That's the character that's going to kind of like lead the whole series. So... Yeah, you're definitely gonna want your first appearance of the Twilight baby. Um, what what was that baby's name? It had like a, uh, again, I don't know. I did, never did. Did I they like did they like mix up the names and make it like Ed Bella or something? Like, is, was that its name? I I, I, I have I have a uh, I have a really good friend who loved those movies. I like them. I mean, I, I I have and to say, like, I, I, I liked them. They were fun. My my whole thing is vampires should not sparkle. I will go. <laughs> I will go total. I went total blade when that movie came out. Yeah, and I found out that those vampires sparkle. It's well, like, okay. Well, well, there you go, Blade. Now, now think about this. If this were to happen, you know, if Marvel did do a a Twilight, uh, you know, a comic and cross it over into the universe, that or wouldn't be a very long comic. But wouldn't it be nice to just have Blade ripping through everybody, and then you could? I, I'm. I, I don't remember exactly what happens when a werewolf attacks Blade, but, you know, you could mix it up a little bit. You could have some uh, Team Jacob along with Werewolf by Night in there uh, attacking Blade. Uh, it could be very cool. Marvel, get 
on this? What what are you doing at this point? We put you like three series this show uh, that are all amazing. Um, yes. <laughs> man, uh, I can't wait until we both have our own office at Marvel. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be in the bullpen. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so. Anyways, uh, Avengers Twilight. That's not. Uh, doesn't have anything to do with twilight but um avengers twilight is out this week it shows our heroes um like retired basically and i mean can an avenger really retire essentially like i said on this past episode Mm -hmm. it it does sound it does sound like marvel's version of kingdom come yeah which is definitely not a bad thing because kingdom come is one of the best series i've read yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun. I'm actually really, really excited to read this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it sounds like a cool series. Um, I, I'm excited to check it out. I think it's a mini though, but uh, that makes sense. Uh, we also got we have a new volume of Cable. Cable number one came out this week. It's got the first team appearance of the Neo Cressy. Uh, Neo Cressy. Uh, I'm not sure how you say the Cressy part, but it's like democracy. But the oh, Say it again. Neocracy. Neocracy. Okay, uh, there we go. Uh, that sounds way better out of your lips than mine. Um, <laughs> we've got Daredevil issue number five. This one's got an all new villain. Uh, somebody is gonna fight Daredevil. I would assume a new villain for Daredevil. Yay! We've got Jackpot number one. Um, so this is Mary Jane as Jackpot, of course, involved in the gang war that's going on. So and you said this is a one shot. I believe this is a one shot. I think so because later we're getting a jackpot uh, black cat crossover series. I think that that's going to be a four part mini. Because and I think everybody crosses over with black cat. Yeah, absolutely. Why the hell not? Um, that's true. Everybody except for Miguel O'Hara, who is uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine, who had issue number three of his Steve Orlando book out this week with the first appearance of Werewolf by twenty ninety nine. Bob, super super stoked about this one. Did you read issue number two yet? No, I have not. Man, issue number two was great. It was a lot of fun. I really liked it a lot. Uh, I can't wait to read issue number three here. It's going to be awesome. Steve Orlando freaking killing it. Uh, I did talk to Steve, and I don't have my my notes in front of me, but uh, Steve will be on a future episode. Uh, That is confirmed that he's going to come on to talk to us about this and some other projects he's got in the works. So really excited to have Steve Orlando on. Uh, And speaking of Steve's, we have another guest later on this episode, uh, Steve Ekstrom. um, And I probably pronounced his name completely wrong, but he'll correct (laughs) me on that. But uh, yeah, make sure you guys uh, stick around for that interview that's coming up. But um, yeah, we've also got uh, from IDW Comics, Sonic the Hedgehog, Fang the Hunter number one. I don't know who the hell Fang the Hunter is, uh, but he's, I don't know, or they've got a comic. Uh, from Image Comics, of course, we have the book we're talking about today, Cobra Commander number one. But it also came with a spoiler one in one hundred variant. I don't yeah, know the spoiler. The spoiler. Spo- oh man, that's a nice looking cover. It looks great. I don't know what it's spoiling, but yeah, uh, great looking cover. Um, I, I, well, I, I mean, it it does it it does spoil you know something in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I have to look at it again. I guess off the top of my head, I'm not too sure what it was spoiling. Uh, but yeah, it looks great. Uh, and then we've got Colonized Zombies versus Aliens, a one-shot put out by Image. 
Bob, I didn't see this at our local shop. I don't know I if, if they got any or what. I think it was like a $10 book, so maybe they didn't get too many and they sold out quickly. But so um, an oversized one-shot? Yeah, I mean, that would have made my uh, $100, though. So, uh, you know, shame on you, Gotham <laughs> City Limit, for not getting enough copies for me to buy one, but uh, whatever. If it even came out. Yeah, sure. Um, from DC Comics, we got Hellblazer Dead in America, number one. The first one in an eight-part series, bringing back Hellblazer, John Constantine. Uh, yeah, that I, I've been hearing really, really good stuff about this. Really good advanced uh, reviews and everything. So I can't wait to check that one out as well. Bob, we've got Superman 10. First Man from Yesterday, an Old West version of Clark Kent. Did you grab your copy? I did. And I, got the, I got the variant one where he's uh, lifting up the old-timey train. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, like the homage to Action 1. Very cool. Yeah, uh, this this will be cool. This series has been so good, as you know. Um, has been really awesome. If, if you dig back and check out our review of Superman number one, you'll know what we're talking about. But, yeah, it's already on issue number 10. I can't believe that. Uh, from Blood Moon... We got Haunted House, a love story. Now, I don't know if you remember when Haunted House, a love story issue number one came out. I, I don't think it was quite last month. It was probably longer than yeah, that. It, it was, it, yeah, it was a few months ago. Yeah, it was a little while ago. Um, it was really hard to find. Our local shop only got one, and they promised it to somebody else, so I didn't get that copy. But I did order a few online. Very, very good book. I was really excited to read issue number two. But again, Bob, our local shop only ordered the one copy, so I did not get that. So I'm going to have to dig that one up online as well. Um, somewhere I'm going to have to, or sorry, when I say dig it up online, I mean like, you know, find a copy on eBay or something. I don't mean illegal pirating of a comic book that could be benefiting the We're writer. You're talking about uh, a haunted house and you're talking about digging up. I mean, <laughs> uh, it writes itself. See, exactly. We're just pitching today. But yeah, issue number two came out. I'm really excited to read it. I really, really liked issue number one. Really cool concept. Um, yeah, so I'm going to have to find that somewhere and read that. Uh, we also got from What Not Publishing, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy actually did a Zorro book, Zorro Man of the Dead. Looked really cool. I didn't actually pick up a copy of that, Bob. So um, I'm going to have to go back and probably find a copy of that later as well. But uh, those are some of the books that came out this week. We're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to get to Cobra Commander. And we are back with the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast, episode number 54. Bob, it is time for the potatoes and potatoes portion of the show <laughs> where we go over our first uh, like brand new meat issue. Potatoes. Well, uh, meat for you, potatoes for me. More potatoes for me, Bob. You know, uh, more meat for so you. So you caused the potato famine. Wait a second. I think I got that wrong. I think more meat for you, less potatoes for me. Wait a second. All right. Anyways, this is getting way too uh, food, food political here. So, um... If you can, uh, you know, we accept potatoes for donations. Go ahead and send them to uh, ANAD underscore number one comics podcast at uh, bob.com and, and we'll take those. Uh, Bob, yeah, it's time for Cobra Commander. Let's really quick talk about these creators and the synopsis from Image slash Skybound site. And it reads, miniseries premiere, the rise of Cobra begins here in a world where the Cobra organization hasn't formed one man's sinister plans to utilize the mysterious alien substance known as inner john since shockwaves across the globe who is cobra commander where does he come from and what horrors is he planning to unleash 
that will rock the world and maybe the universe to its core. Red Hot writer Joshua Williamson and artist Andrea Milana kick off the second of four action-packed miniseries that will introduce the best and worst humanity has to offer the inner John universe. Uh, this is a 40-pager. It's $4.99, just to uh, throw that out there. It's a little bit longer than a normal and a little more expensive than your regular image, but, uh, you know, you're, 40 pages, you're getting your money's worth. You know, and, and, and just to stop you there, just to say a little something, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, this didn't feel like 40 pages No, not, not at all. This breeze through. <laughs> yeah, um, really. But, I mean, we already know we're talking about Joshua Williamson here. So, let's... Uh, I, I'm not going to go into too much about Joshua Williamson. Yeah, we already did it on the Duke we've episode. Already said all yeah, we we've, to we've say done all this. this. Um, let's say, you know, the Flash Birthright, Nailbiter, uh, Ghosted. He's, he's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Superman, a little uh, lesser-known character over at DC Comics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, Joshua William has, Williamson has done some stuff. Um, let's talk about the artist really quick, Andrea Milana. Um, not a whole bunch of credit to their name, but uh, illustrated Dahlia in the Dark for Mad Cave Studios uh, from 2022 to 2023, a six-part series there, illustrated all of that. Fabulous-looking series. I don't remember if I read it, but I'm looking here at it, and it looks great. Uh, of course, Cobra Commander, this book... Um, did a uh, trade paperback for Source Point Press called In His Own Image. Also did some cover work on uh, Transformers, the series that's out now from Image Comics, part of the Intergon universe, as well as Duke. Uh, did some cover work on that. And uh, from Image Comics last year, we got Impact Winter Rook. Uh, did the illustration on that. And a book that I'm going to be talking about a little bit later in our interview portion, The Fog, uh, is doing a 1 in 50 incentive cover on the second issue of that. So really excited. I get to talk uh, to Steve about that um, a little bit later. So make sure you guys check that out whenever we drop that interview. Um, those are our creators. Bob, I'm going to get in my synopsis. It's long, so buckle in. <laughs> Uh, and you know, watch me stumble because we all know I know nothing about GI Joe. So uh, I'm, I'm, some of I'm, this, I always expect your synopsis <laughs> to be synopsi yeah. to be kind of lengthy. And it, I mean, if you need me help, you know that's why I'm here. Oh yeah, I'm gonna need help. So um, <laughs> so let's let's just say Cobra Commander opens with the preview that we saw at the end of Duke number one, mm -hmm. which is a super uh, snowy pub in the mountains where. Cobra walks in and demands a vehicle. He follows a man out and kills him, taking his snowmobile question mark. Is that a snowmobile? Is that yeah, okay? That's okay. A snowmobile. Now, is that what Cobra like normally drives? Is that or is that like a callback to anything else? Or no, okay. It's just Not just really. happens in this book. Okay. We then flash over to quote unquote before. Uh, whenever before is. Uh, but I, I I like the ambiguous time. Like it doesn't matter. We don't need a year or anything. Yeah. I, I like that. It's uh, just before. Yeah, I, I, I like I like it because Joshua. Well, anyways, we'll, we'll we'll get into our review a little bit after the synopsis. But um, yeah, before and we see an alien, like a weird alien landscape. An explosion happens. Scientists inside of a structure are taken over by a mob, and they fear they'll be killed for what they've done. Uh, the leader then takes his men, or sorry, uh, tells his men to. Kill whoever surrenders first as a warning to the others. And then somebody else comes out of nowhere and throws a bomb, badly injuring him. 
We then see the leader in some sort of medical facility with snakes biting him. And then he is summoned by his leaders. And he stands before the main leader. <laughs> Sorry if this sounds... <laughs> I, I don't know any of these people's names. Uh, and is told he's done something like super wrong. And the leaders... Uh, kept him alive or sorry the leader kept him alive so he could watch him die with his own eyes which i mean i have to say that is brutal like that's can you imagine somebody's just i kept you alive so i can watch you die uh, that's the that's only crazy. reason you're here <laughs> so yeah i can watch you yeah, die. yeah imagine that um uh and then he shows the leader his loyalty uh or sorry he he shows his leader that his loyalty to the leader and cobra Cobra Law? Cobra LA? What are we Cobra going Cobra Law. Okay, I was like, is this an alternate version of LA? What's going on here? <laughs> okay, so Cobra Law <laughs> remains, and he plans to strengthen it. We then get a big reveal of him housing a secret Transformer, and he plans to find others and lead an army that no one will be able to stop. We flash back to now, and Cobra is traveling in the snowmobile with a man who the leader... Now, Bob, help me with the leader's name. It's Globali... Go Globulus. Globulus. Wow. Globulous. Okay, I'm not even going to pretend to try to be a Globulus. Okay, Globulous. Globulous. Wow, that's an interesting name. Um, sent with him, as Cobra tells the man, he won't disguise himself because he wants the world to fear him. And the final panel shows an isolated shack with Dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts. Okay, the Dreadnoughts name and symbol on the door. Uh, now, I assume this is probably like a huge reveal for whoever's really into... Uh, either G.I. Joe or Transformers or whatever Dreadnoughts mm -hmm. come from. Mm -hmm. um, I had no clue what that is, but that's okay. It's still a uh, big enough reveal where I understand by, it's something. The Dreadnoughts led by Zartan. Okay, yeah, great. I'm learning so much here on the on the G.I. Joe in Intergon podcast. Intergon. Intergon. Sorry, sorry. Intergon podcast. But uh, yeah, um, that's my synopsis. Uh, stumbled, uh, as we all know, uh, stumbled badly. But... Bob, let's talk about this book. We have Please. so much to go over. Of course, we yes. have our, um, uh, you know, how we normally break these things down with the story beats, dialogue, narrative, and world building, the art, characters, background, locations, and colors. But let's talk about these story beats. Uh, look, I'm, you know, right out on Front Street is Joshua Williamson. Dude knows how to tell a story. The mm -hmm. beats are perfect. They're mm -hmm. dead on. Mm -hmm. uh, I love his ambiguous use of before and, and now and all of that stuff before yeah. or later, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's It strips away the unimportant nonsense that some other people would interject into a story and just makes it like, hey, this happened before. It doesn't matter where or when or whatever. Uh, mm. This is this is Cobra Law. We don't need to know like a huge backstory of, of it and these people and all of that. It's, it's all conveyed here on the page. So... I love the way that he tells these stories because I feel like somebody else would have fumbled with it, in all honesty. Um, I think that, God, putting Joshua Williamson in charge of this, uh, so, so wonderful that he's doing these one or sorry, these mini series that are introducing the, uh, the G.I. Joes to, to the inner John universe. Um, really, really cool. But yeah, how about the story beats for you, Bob? We're, we're seeing kind of the very beginnings of, Cobra Commander here mm -hmm. and uh, his mm -hmm. world and, and all of that. How yeah. did you feel like this? Yeah, world? I I love the story beats. I mean, it showed, you know, Cobra Commander making his entrance. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did that little bit. He killed that one guy, and I mean, that just shows. Yeah. You know, this guy means business. This, you know, this guy can 
Scoop some shit up. Yeah, that's all he's here for. He's here for for business. Um, he doesn't care. Uh, like if, if you're in his way, like he'll just move you out of the way. No. And then I mean, it goes to, you know, before which I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to put a year or anything. No. It. And you know, it shows his backstory. I mean, it doesn't get too greatly deep into it because mm-hmm. we can get so deep to where it muddles up. The story, I mean, I've seen that before. I love how it's like toting the perfect line here because I have questions, yes, but I have questions because I'm intrigued, not because I'm confused or not because there's holes in the story. I love the fact that, like, these snakes are biting at him while he's in the medical facility. Like, you know, and and this is coming from, you know, somebody who knows absolutely nothing about any of this. Mm. So, like, I don't know if that's how Cobra Commander was formed. I don't know if that backstory is there or if he's building it or whatever, but, like, I like how it's being portrayed here because I'm so interested in it. I want to know what's going to happen. Well, and, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, you put it perfectly. I don't know if anybody but Joshua Williamson could have gotten this story. I don't think know, so. I mean, it's such uh, a perfect... Told. Yeah. And, I mean, there's... I don't know if... And I can't. And I mean, I, I can't. I can't say this. You know, I can't speak for any other writer. But I don't know if any other writer would have been able to take. You know, a story that. You know is. I mean the the bat the background in the history of GI Joe and Cobra. You know, can get muddled. Yeah, is sure. long. There is a long history. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about, you know, like a, a franchise that came out, like, right. what, in the 80s? Like, the early 80s or something? But, I mean, you know, he took it and he simplified it enough yes. to where, you know, just the average, you know, reader who knows nothing about G.I. Joe or Cobra AKA or Cobra me. Commander yes. <laughs> could, you know, figure out, okay, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Wow, Bob. And I'm, I'm just looking now, you know, just as a side note, because I was saying that uh, I believe that this franchise was from the 80s. Um, oh, it's, I don't know when they started long. fleshing out their stories, but yeah, I mean, the action figures or whatever you want to call them were coming out in the early 60s. So, yeah. wow, I, I had no clue. Uh, no, <laughs> they, they, re- they really didn't start fleshing that out until, mm-hmm. you know, they revamped the line and that's when they, you know, got in the cartoon. Because okay. when G.I. Joe first started... I mean, it was, I can't remember how tall they were. I want to say. Oh, like, they were big, right? They yeah, were like huge. I, I, yeah, I want to say like, like. doll size. Yeah, I want to say yeah. like actual doll size. Mm-hmm. And it, it, when they revamped the line, that's when they went to. Because that's when, you know, um, that's when Kenner was big with, with the Star Wars mm-hmm. figures. They're three and three quarters inch line. And, and that's what I, I like about it, too. I mean, they go like. I, I feel like that's even smaller than like your typical action figure. They like they went from like really big to like really small. But anyways, that that's a that's a side note here. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I you know when getting to the story beats, I think that it's it's just so well crafted here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a lot for people who are already really invested in in uh, GI Joe and really know a lot about it. And then like there's there's a ton of like fleshing out and everything too. And then it's perfect for like a newcomer like me. I, I look, Bob. I said it whenever we covered Duke. I just never thought I'd be the slightest bit interested in anything mm-hmm. to do with GI Joe. Like mm-hmm. I'm just not a big like you know military type of guy. I'm not a big war guy. Uh, hopefully, too many people aren't big war guys. But you know what I mean. Like I, I don't find that stuff that interesting. Like I don't watch war movies. It's just not my thing. 
um, you know, soldiers, army people, like whatever. Like I'm just not into it. Well, see, and uh, yeah, for you know somebody like me mm-hmm. who is into it. Yep. I mean, they were just enough, you know, references and stuff. Um, you know, put in like I mean, when I saw Dreadnoughts at the end, yep. you know, I got excited, mm-hmm. and you know, right when I saw that alien landscape, I knew exactly what it was. Yeah, and it, it's it's really cool, and and like I said, I mean, I'll have like a million questions, and I'll ask you off air, but uh, yeah, I I think the story beats, you know, to answer that uh, question, um, you know, of our review here, story beats are exactly where you want them to be, exactly where you need them to be done in a very creative way and i mean a plus plus to joshua williamson yeah, for which, these stories which, which again considering you know we've we've read multiple things by joshua williamson yes that's something we expected when we went into this book his uh, and we'll get into world building of course you know a little bit later in the review but um just you know i i feel like that's where his you know strengths are is that world building like you put him on the first issue of something to introduce something he does it in such a creative way because you know if i were writing a story i would think i would need to put in more backstory than he's putting in i would think i would need to put in more details for the reader or whatever like he's like no you guys aren't stupid like you you will figure this out and i will convey all the information to the artist that i trust and they will tell that story visually and and he does that and like i mean i i just I, I can't say enough praise about the way that yeah, he constructs I, I, this. You know, I I will say just on a, a just on a side note, yeah, I would love for this to happen. But I mean, you know how much I love these comics. Mm-hmm. I would love Joshua Williamson to write for the Avengers. Oh God, yeah. I mean, anything like he. I I feel like at this point, I'm not going to lie to you, Bob. He could make anything interesting enough for me to want to read. Like, anything. Like, he could take something that I don't Batman care the slightest bit about. Yeah, give him a Joker book, dude. I'd be all in. And I, I really <laughs> don't like that character. Um, yeah, give give the guy anything. And I'm really liking these, like, uh, franchise types of things. These yeah. licensed books that he's doing. Because yeah. it, it's stuff, you know, you kind of, you gravitate it, it, towards certain things. It takes something that's pre-existing. Yeah. To where, you know, the longtime fans, like myself, mm-hmm. will, you know, know what this is, what this is, what this is. Yes. But whereas the novice fans, mm-hmm. you know, being you, yes. will be <laughs> able to pick it up right away without having to know the history or the backstory. Exactly, because he's, he's fleshing it out here. He's yeah. doing that work. Um, yeah, and just a phenomenal, phenomenal writer on this. Now, Bob, I'm not going to lie to you. Of course, while I'd like to see Joshua Williamson do everything in the entire world, <laughs> I want to see like a Jurassic Park book from him. I think that would be the coolest thing ever. But what what I really, really would like to see from him, and I don't know if this could ever be down the pipeline or anything. I hear that we're getting like a relaunch uh, very soon. But I would like for him to take something that's like pretty complicated at this point that has been like a little hard for me to get into that I want to get into, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I I think that he would knock that out of the park, and it would be the most interesting thing in the entire world. I'd well, love I mean, to see that. And I mean, it would you know go along with you know some of the stuff he's been doing. Exactly that. I mean, that, that like, like stuff. yeah, like you said, licensed property. Yeah, man, I I I just I would love to see that. Um, mm-hmm. now let's get over to the dialogue. Uh, you're gonna know the characters' voices much better than <laughs> me, but I will say, not knowing the characters, I like the voices here. Yeah, I so. do think um. 
from what I recall about Cobra, is he the dude with like the really high pitched, like weird, like villain voice on the cartoon or whatever? Is, is right. That him? He um, and I cannot remember the act, the voice actor's uh-huh. name. I mean, of course, the voice actor has passed on. Sure. I, I and I can't remember his name, but um, he also voiced the character of Starscream from the um. Oh okay. You know original transformer series yeah and uh, you know i like stalling for time while you know <laughs> people do their research yeah of course uh it, is it let's see um either christopher collins or charlie adler charlie adler okay okay charlie charlie adler. Adler. was the first name you said uh christopher collins but that is from gi joe the movie so Okay. I'm not sure uh, what G.I. Joe movie they're referring to. but the, um, G.I. Joe, the animated movie. Oh, okay. There okay, was an actual, just like Transformers, there was an actual animated movie. Oh, okay, understood. Uh, wow, cool. Um, I can't remember what, exactly what year in the 80s it came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say I really like this this character's voice. I like everybody's voice in this. Uh, if, if Joshua Williams' sends, uh, you know, main strength to me is, is world building, uh he definitely still knows how to tell a story uh, very compellingly through dialogue, narrative, and, and perspective, and, and all of that. Uh, and yeah, um, I, I feel like I can hear the voices of each one of these characters in the book. I love that character, Bob, and I, I, I don't know if it's an existing character or whatever. I, I believe it's like a female character that comes out with like the little grenade bomb and, and, and says something like to the effect of like, do you want me to throw this or whatever? And then she throws it and that's whenever he, you know, gets in the accident or, or whatever. Yeah, that uh, some of the some of the side characters, mm-hmm. you know, considering, um, you know, I just uh, just like Transformers. I know more about, you know, the, you know, OG stuff. Yeah, sure. The like the, the main, stuff. Like, not, not every single time. Yeah, but I mean, out. there's just been, you know, so many comic books. Oh, and sure. So many, you know, TV yeah, series. Yeah, they've done so much with it through the years. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, I just, I just haven't, you know, gotten into the minutia of everything. Sure. But I like the contrast of, of that character's voice with Cobra mm. Commander, with uh, now tell me Cobra Commander's leader's name again. Galobulus. Galobulus. Uh, <laughs> with with a very very stern voice there, and and I, I think it could be hard. I, I think you know, uh, dialogue and narratively, like it, it could be very hard because you basically have like two big leaders here. You have like a supreme leader, and then you have a leader who's underneath him. Right. Then you have like. Uh, you know, the people that are they're coming to get Cobra that are saying you're summoned, you know, to go see that leader or whatever. So you have, like, a lot of people in these high lead positions. It could be very convoluted, and you could end up with, like, the same voice over and over again. But no, uh, Joshua Williamson and the artists here, uh, you know, really do a wonderful job of, of making these, like, very stern, very leader-driven, very focused uh, characters. But they're all individual. They're all very different. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that Cobra is able to kind of challenge Galobulus uh, while still remaining, you know, underneath Galobulus. Like, I think that that's very, very, uh, that's got to be a very hard thing to do. Um, how do you convey that, you know, through 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 a comic book? Uh, but it's done. <laughs> See, but I mean, uh, you know, he, he captures, by doing that, I mean, he captures um, the attitude of cobra commander to t yeah cobra commander does have that underhandedness uh-huh that you know i'm gonna buy i'm gonna you know bide my time mm-hmm. and you know i'm gonna say the right things and remain loyal to the right people yep uh-huh. and then you know 
just like, I don't want to say just like a snake, but <laughs> I mean, he's going to pick the right time to strike. Yeah. And I, I think that that's the most impressive thing in this book, uh, you know, that we could talk about is, is walking that line there of, of, you know, you have uh, Cobra, you have Galobulus um, and they're, he's, he's basically, you know, pledging his allegiance to him mm-hmm. and, and it's there too. You see it throughout the story. Uh, he does have an allegiance, but at the same time, the character is so nuanced that uh, he's he's also kind of breaking that allegiance, like in a way, um, secretly or, or whatever. Uh, I don't know. It's it's very very interesting. He very has, very nuanced. He has an allegiance, but he has his own agenda. Exactly. Um, yeah. I fantastic here, uh, and I, I think that that kind of covers the dialogue and the narrative. I don't think we have to talk about those two separately. The world building, Bob, I've already sung the praises of the world building. Uh, that is Joshua Williamson's biggest strength, in my opinion, and probably one of the most important things you want to see in a comic book of this scope is like, you know, this world. We need to be introduced to this world because we're building a whole franchise here. We're, uh, we're doing G.I. Joe and Transformers and crossing them over, um, and and we need this world to be fleshed out because these are very big pre-existing franchises that, you know, you've got to appeal to newcomers like me. Uh, but really, you've got to prove yourself to, you know, hardcore veteran fans like Bob and, and others out there. Uh, you can't just have some guy like come in and just say, here's here's what's happened or, or whatever here. We're trying to appeal to a new audience. So we're not going to do anything for for you guys who have been here for years or whatever. Like this is mm-hmm. the perfect perfect way yeah. to do this to build this world uh, yeah. i love it there's, i know nothing about uh cobra law but uh now i do you know <laughs> there, there's there's enough old school mm-hmm. but there's enough no, new school and i love this this world uh i i don't know how uh prevalent uh cobra law is in the past material i don't know if they flesh that out in like older comics or cartoons or whatever well, I don't know if I, they continue I, to go I, back to it but i just know as far as as far as that movie i was talking about it mm-hmm. plays a big part in it and is it similar to this uh world that we see in the comic here yes very yes. cool yeah i i love it because it's uh, the word is not techno organic um but it's something you know it's very very organic in the way that it is uh, it's it's very interesting. I really like it. It it kind of it kind of at least to me, it kind of harkens back to like that Jack Kirby esque yes fourth world. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. Look. Yeah. It's I it's mean, without, very cool. without totally ripping it off. Oh yeah, definitely not ripping it off. It's uh, but uh, I could see inspired. Yeah, yeah definitely inspired. Um, let's get into the art then we've talked so much about joshua williamson we have said such nice things about the guy um and really i think that you would be very very hard pressed to try to find something bad to say about his work mm-hmm. not gonna lie um now bob help me out with the name one more time uh, uh andrea Mil- milana milana andrea milana um sorry let's, if i butchered your last name. I, I don't think you did um let's get into the character art first and foremost uh Bob, I want to let you lead. I kind of took over on the on the story there. I want to let you lead with the art. So tell me, like, you're you're a hardcore fan, and you have been around, you know, for a long time, a fan mm-hmm. in this. Does this uh, meet your expectations? Yeah, it it, <laughs> it certainly does. Of yeah. course, with a character like Cobra Commander, mm-hmm. of course, you know, Cobra Commander is kind of harder, yeah, as far as the character design, mm-hmm. because I mean, even in the even in the original series. 
you rarely ever saw his face. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's I mean, usually always masked up. Right. He okay. would he, he would either wear this you know um, visor that he has, uh-huh. or he would wear like just like a um, Baron Zemo style like soft cloth. Now, yes. Bob, is, is the point of that, because we see him, you know, unmasked when he's in the hospital bed before he puts mm-hmm. it on and everything. It looks like he's got, like, I'm not sure what that is, that that uh, yellow thing above his eye. Like, is that supposed to be another eye? Like, what what is going on with that? What is that? Um. So, from what I recall, and mind you, this is what I recall. Yeah, it's sure. It's been a while. I have to go. Now that we're doing this <laughs> book, I have to go back yeah. and find the... You know, original animated movie. Yeah, and I would suggest to you doing the same thing. Oh yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to now. It, it's yeah. it's a it's a fun watch if yeah. nothing else. But um, so in the movie, um, you know he he did get um, they did go back to Cobra Law, mm-hmm. and um, early on they were throwing those you know uh those bombs. Yes. Um, or those spores, which, you know, were uh, created in a lab. And basically, you know, basically they turned him back or they turned him into a snake, mm-hmm. oh. so to speak. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So. And that's where his uh, kind of name comes from, or whatever. Right, and that's why you know when he's talking, he does have the lisp. It, yeah, I, I love the lisp. The, um, the the snake tongue lisp. And one of the things that that I I like, uh, or or sorry, not like uh, one of the things that kind of caught me off guard that I'm not realizing until right this second. Of course, you know we see the snakes in the book. Of course, a, a cobra is a snake, and all of that. And, mm-hmm. and you mentioned snakes earlier, and everything else. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but I, you know, and his symbol is, is, is a cobra and all of that. Uh, I'm not like, I'm, I'm having like not trouble, but I'm, I'm not thinking about it as it's going along that he's like, you know, snake like or whatever. Like, uh, because all I can think of is there's another G.I. Joe named Snake Eyes and that one's got snake in the title versus a, a type of snake. So I'm, I'm really totally, thinking Snake Eyes. Totally different. <laughs> snake Eyes is the ninja. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, this is going to be, I, I assume a Snake Eyes series will come out because he's a very important uh, G.I. Joe character from, oh, from what I, I, I recall. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming. He's, he's definitely, he's, he's definitely, if not the most popular one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, really, really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say for the character art here, I love it. Uh, really, really good. We already saw this in the preview, of course, yeah. so we kind of knew what to expect. But, yeah, throughout the book, done really, really well. I love how Cobra looks. I love how everyone looks in this. I love the regular human looks. Um, uh, yeah, and, and that's my biggest thing. Just as long as everybody looks has their own look and doesn't and, look like yeah, and they a they definitely copy. do. Yeah, everybody looks great here. And one of the things that, you know, I, I think it, it it can maybe be a little divisive sometimes. Uh, you know, whenever you're looking at art or whatever, especially in comics, this artist does do that thing where when it's not very very important to show so much detail on the background characters whenever they're not the main focus, they do leave off that detail. But it works so well for the style here. So mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, sometimes I see that kind of thing. And I think it's a little lazy. And I think we couldn't have squeezed a little bit more detail into this panel or whatever um, in, in other books. 
I think it really worked with the tile with the style and, and with the tone of this book. So I'm going to give them, you know, accolades for that because uh, that's something, uh, again, it's pretty divisive for me. A lot of times it's a turnoff for me. It's definitely not here. I think it's almost a strength here because it, it really strengthens what you're supposed to look at instead. Uh, it really works in a really, really cool way that I haven't, uh, that I don't recall seeing a lot of other places. So I, I like that a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. The backgrounds. Bob, I don't know about you. I'm such a huge fan of snow. Um, I love We talked about it in a previous episode. I can't remember which one it was, but there was snow going on somewhere. And we talked about the use of snow and how we uh, you know, uh, felt about it. Wonder Woman. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I love... Ooh, wow, sorry. I, I got a bad clip there. So, so sorry if that killed someone's ears. But I love the use of snow in comics. I love this use of snow. It mm -hmm. looks very, very good. It's very ununiform. Um, it's only in the front half or whatever, but uh, really, really cool. I, I like it a lot. I think and it looks great. It, yeah, you're you're talking about you're talking about snow. Mm -hmm. I love the contrast of the blood and the snow. Oh God, right? And then, and then I mean, then you get the Cobra logo, mm -hmm. you know, coming from the blood, and then you see the guy's dead hand. Oh yeah, just amazing. Yeah, uh, really, really good yeah. stuff. Um, and you know, through the book, especially when we get into Cobra Law. Uh, the backgrounds in that phenomenal. There's some really cool big panels. There's like a kind of a splash page uh, that we get whenever uh, Cobra's in that hospital bed there, and we're looking at these like organic backgrounds. They just they look so cool. It it looks really really nice. Mm -hmm. Then whenever we're supposed to be focused on the characters, we get you know less detail in the background. Bob, I'm, I'm over to the splash in the middle of the book where we're introduced to the Transformer. Yep. Uh, such a cool background there. Such a, a cool panel or page. You know, a really great double double page spread. And just so just so you won't, just so you have a, a name and don't do transform. <laughs> that is Megatron. Oh, that's Megatron. That's okay. Megatron. Now Megatron, a good transformer, a bad transformer. He's the leader of the Decepticon. Oh, so Decepticons means bad, I think, oh, because yeah. they're deceptive. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, so so he's building an army of Decepticon transformers, he, he's, evil transformers. He, he, he's uh, once he gets back to full power, he's gonna whip the shit out of Starscream. Oh man, this is this is <laughs> gonna be good, you know. And and again, I mean, uh, look look at what they're doing here. Uh, I I really before this. Uh, could not have cared any less than I already do did about Transformers you know, and about G.I. Joe, and I and care. And again, speaking of Transformers, they've shown more of Megatron in this book mm -hmm. than the five issues of Transformers so Transformers proper yeah, so far. Yeah, very interesting. And look, we did the Transformers book. Uh, I think Philip Kennedy Johnson's take on Transformers, really, really cool, really unique, and, and we both uh, you know suggested that book. I'm gonna say this though, and maybe this might be a hot take to you, Bob. I'm not too sure. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna inch far far away so you don't slap me from across the table. But I am really <laughs> yeah exactly. You're grabbing something in your throat. <laughs> I am really really enjoying the GI Joe stuff, uh, a lot. And and I like the Transformer stuff. I have no problem with the Transformer stuff. I think it's good. But I I think uh, putting Joshua Williamson on this is just such a Great choice. I, I think, you know, Philip Kennedy Johnson knocking it out of the park over there on Transformers. Don't have anything bad to say, but I think the all-star of all of this Energon stuff is Joshua Williamson right now, in my opinion. Just really, really hammering out of the park. But I I, I, I think, the, you know, <laughs> Joshua Williamson aside, I think the star is Robert Kirkman. 
Sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to take too much away from the art. We are talking about the artist here. Um, and, and, uh, you know, those backgrounds, fantastic. How about the locations, Bob, you're familiar with, uh, Cobra law and I, I love the locations. I mean, you go from, you go from the, just the absolute blizzard. Mm -hmm. snow, I mean, snow of the, uh, bar with no name or no man's land. Yes. And then you get into just the weird Jack Kirby-esque fourth world style of Cobra Law. Yes. Um, I mean, that is, that is such... And you have this one panel where Cobra Commander is walking up the Megatron, you know, and it's this, you know, sterile-looking, you know, laboratory almost... Yeah, and, and I really, really like that laboratory. It looks I do too. really awesome. Well, again, and, you know, what's worked for me? Shadow play. Yeah. Uh, it Yeah, um, the shadows, Bob always points out shadows whenever they're used well. Mm -hmm. uh, he's oh, a big fan really of used, <laughs> shadow used and shadow well. play. Yeah, and, and, and it's done very, very well here. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say, you know, probably my, now we're the, the world building is my favorite part of the story, you know, that Joshua Williamson's selling here. I think my favorite part of the art is the locations. I, I think that uh, Andrea really excels at, at these locations. They're really, really fleshed out. They look amazing. Uh, there's so much detail packed into them and, and so much. And, and like I said before, when we need the detail, it's there. When we don't, it's not mm -hmm. there. Uh, it's used perfectly. Um, but Andrea has no problem whatsoever packing in well, the details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about detail, and you know, I'm looking at shadows also. I mean, you have Cobra Commander walking up to Megatron. Mm -hmm. You don't see Megatron's face. No. Yeah. It, it's and it's totally hidden in a shadow. So exactly. Again, so again, like you said, I mean, we see the detail of the Decepticon logo, and you know, most of Megatron except for his face. Mm -hmm. But I mean. Just with the detail they do include, you know it's Megatron. Yes, and and it looks great. We've got some mm -hmm. of that like uh, caution-looking tape and stuff uh, back around whatever's hooked up to Megatron and everything. Really, really cool. Locations are great. Um, uh, we we obviously oops, we obviously have to talk about the colors here, and the colorist is Annalisa Leone. I'm gonna go with. Uh, if you wanna double check me on that name. Uh, yes. Okay. Wow. Maybe I got one right. Um, so Annalisa Leone, uh, who's worked on quite a few things. Sorry, we didn't uh, introduce her before, but uh, she did uh, color. Or, or sorry, she did art on uh, Oblivion Song all the way through. So uh, did did some work on uh, Star Very Wars: The High Republic as well. Uh, some. Yeah, just uh, worked on quite a few things. Um, so very familiar with comics. How do you feel about the colors in this issue? You know more about the universe than me. You know more about the color palette and everything. Did they work? Did they not work? I love the colors, mm -hmm. especially for Cobra Law. Yeah, <laughs> Cobra I mean, Law looks great, doesn't that, it? With, with the wrong colors mm -hmm. or the wrong hues, that could have fallen so flat. Absolutely, uh, and I, I, mean, I don't know enough about Kerbala, but like, yeah, I believe you. Um, to to flesh out that world, it's got to look correct. Like, well, I mean, it's, it's something, it's something, and when it boils down to it, Kerbala is, you know, like you said before, basically an alien landscape. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, 
if you if you didn't use the right colors, the right hues. Yep. I mean, that could have looked so jokey and hokey and Exactly. And it's 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 very interesting. I, I don't know exactly how to convey what I'm trying to say about it. I want to I want to go back to a couple of panels of it before I before I uh, say anything. But mm-hmm. it's whenever we get into the parts where you know um, Cobra is laying in that bed, uh, that kind of hospital bed, and then we we kind of go through and everything. They're not as vibrant as I would expect. Something like um, I, I guess my first instinct to this would be like it's an alien world. We need those very vibrant colors and everything. They're a little bit muted. It, it's it's organic and it's a different landscape, but they're still a little muted. But but I mean it's a hospital. No, it's and, supposed and, to be a hospital. Yeah, and and that's kind of what I was gonna say about it. I actually like it. The whole palette of this entire book is a little muted. It's got a lot of like I don't know muted greens, uh, lots of different shades of greens. Uh, and, and then once we get into uh, Cobra Law, we're, we're back to those like darker green shades, a lot of darks. Uh, we're not seeing the sun out and, and stuff like that um, a lot. You know, we're kind of enclosed. And then we get into the, uh, the um, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, maybe uh, you can help me with his name again. The, the leader of... Globulus. Galopulous, my God! Now, is that like a snake name? What is that? Because he's got a big like cobra kind of behind him in the shadows, or, or sorry, on his throne there. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know what the hell Galopulous means. Um, but whenever we need like very vibrant tones and everything, which which we get them a little bit later in fight scenes and stuff, they're there. I just I really think that the colors really really shine in this book. They're done very very well. Mm. Uh, the shadows are used very well. Like you said, there's a lot of dark mixed in with the light there's a, a great color palette that really uh works very very well and it's used differently throughout the book sometimes we're getting a lot of shadows with a lot of blood and things uh we get like brightened up we get those muted palettes uh throughout cobra law uh we got the blizzard and everything there's there's a lot of really really good colors here um so i really enjoy the colors a lot i think they're done very very well uh, let's get into the question of the podcast, the thesis of the podcast, if you will. <laughs> um, Bob, is this enough to uh, bring you to issue number two? I don't think I'm the right person to ask. <laughs> well, because I don't have a wrong answer. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and say this. Um, you've you've heard us talk about it, you know, this long so far. Uh, we we have a lot of good stuff to say about Joshua Williamson. We have a lot of good stuff to say about the art, the color, all of that as well, um, and about this universe so far. We checked out the Duke number one. Um, now we're on to Cobra Commander number one. Uh, there's going to be some more number ones that come out and everything. Uh, you know, it, it's it's hard because you have a very seasoned fan of of you know the entire world of GI Joe. You have uh, a newcomer. Somebody who wasn't even looking to be a fan, you know. I, it's not that I uh, held up my nose at it or anything like that, but uh, it's not something I was looking for. You know, there's so many things that I'm already into. I collect so many comics and read so many of them and, and, and whatever. I'm always looking for those new uh, creator-owned books and stuff through independent publishers and everything. That sometimes you throw in like a, a franchise type of thing and it's just like, this already exists so much. Do we need to hear another take on it? Whatever. Um so, you know, it, it, it's hard to put it up against that, but I will, will go ahead and say this. This is 
written so well. This is crafted so well. This is the team is paired up so well. It's uh, you take something like uh, Duke and the artist that Joshua Williamson is working with on that book, and then you take the artist that he's working with on this book and separate colors and everything, and like you have the same writer in the same world in the same franchise or whatever telling a completely different story with a completely different tone and everything, um, which is really, really interesting to me. Uh, again, like I wasn't looking for this. I'm really, really glad I found it. I, yeah, I mean, uh, if you didn't hear that throughout the review, of course, like stop what you're doing and go pick up a copy of Cobra Commander. It's a very, very good comic book. Whether you could give a shit about G.I. Joe or not, whether you don't care about the Energon universe moving forward or not, uh, it's just a very, very good first issue of a comic book. Um, done very, very well. Written superbly. And yeah, I highly recommend this and issue number two to everyone listening. Uh, Bob, after you, please. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in 54 episodes, Bob is speechless. I'm, done. I'm just, I'm just going to say this. Now you need to watch the animated movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested here. So yeah, uh, that is a definite pickup from Bob and I both. Uh, Joshua Williamson, if you're listening, can you do any wrong? <laughs> you know, that's uh, so far no. When are you gonna bomb? I guess is the question. Uh, so far yeah, no. Really, really knocking out. It's almost like you know we talked before about like how this you know jokingly is the Colin Bun cast and we cover so many of his books <laughs> and they're all this might turn into the Joshua it, Williamson it, hour. Exactly. I mean, we have nothing but good stuff to say about everything Colin Bun has done. Uh, <laughs> can we find anything that we don't like that Joshua Williamson has done? Is the question. So far, um, so far no. We've, I, We've loved <laughs> Superman, we've loved Duke, yep. we've loved Cobra Commander. I'm assuming they're going to get him to do all the other big characters. Exactly. And and I think that, yeah, uh, at this point, every time I see Joshua Williamson's name attached to something, I'm going to end up wanting to pick it up uh, just because of his really unique uh, writing capabilities and his yep. talents here. Uh, very, very good stuff. Uh, uh, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break and we'll return in just a moment. Hello and welcome to the all new, all different number one comics podcast. We are here with a very special uh, creator interview. We've got Steve Ekstrom on the line. Steve, welcome to the all new, all different number one comics podcast. How the hell are you? Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm great. Uh, it's just busy. Um, <laughs> I, I wear a couple of different hats while I'm mm -hmm. making comics, so it's, it's a lot. But, uh, you know, you find something you like and you let it kill you. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I can completely understand. It's like you get your your labor of love, and and uh, you put everything towards it. You know, uh, you throw everything, you throw your hat in the ring, and and, and you go for it. And uh, and I can definitely tell you've been hustling and doing that, especially with uh, this project that we're going to be talking about today, of course. But um, before we get into all that, I want to leave everybody in suspense on on what we're going to talk about for a second. But uh, before we get into any of that. Uh, Steve, if, if you wouldn't mind, um, just give us like a, a quick, uh, really quick, doesn't have to be much, but who are you? Where are you from? How'd you get into comics? Uh, what's your superhero origin? Like all that. Well, I'm a Scorpio and I like walks on the beach. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, 
I've been reading comic books since I was small. Um, mm-hmm. I can probably attest to my ability to read from having grown up with spinner racks and oh, cool. gas stations. Um, <laughs> I kind of matriculated into um, a journalistic role uh, at Newsarama and with Best Shots in 2006-2007. And I kind of took off from there and started producing comics. I have a degree in creative writing from a small Southern university in South Georgia. Um, and I'm a, I, I had won a pretty big national poetry award at the age of 24. And I've just been kind of um, failing up and learning stuff <laughs> and, you know, smelling all the flowers and kind of doing my thing. And um, I worked for Newsarama for six years. I briefly worked at MTV Geek before their funding kind of Viacom kind of ended that. Um, I launched a website with one of the former executive producers from MTV called Freak Sugar. And then I produced a webcomic for a little bit. I was published a few times. And then I took the role of publisher and kickstarted a couple books on a small brand um, called Imminent Press. And uh, after that, I kind of, during COVID, I kind of found my sea legs lettering books for a living. And I started editing and lettering other people's works because I have an editorial background with my degree. And um, I worked on a crime book with a guy named uh, Vanya Miskovic from Mm -hmm. Serbia. And we produced that last April, May. Uh, Soko was produced with uh, Behemoth and then Sumerian. Uh, Behemoth was purchased by Sumerian in late 22. And uh, they took on the role of publisher for our project. And then um, I am now the and I'm the senior editor, or I have an editorial role at mm-hmm. um, Sumerian, but I am also the writer for uh, a sequel to John Carpenter's The Fog from yeah. 19. 19- yeah, and that's kind of um, you know what what we were uh, holding off for a second there on saying. So I'm I'm glad you uh, went ahead and said that. Uh, John Carpenter's The Fog. Um, that's that's definitely you know what we're gonna heavily get into. We're gonna talk about other things along the way, but um, man, I, I have to say right out the gate, I huge John Carpenter fan, of course. Me too. Like, how could you not be? Like, John Carpenter has produced some of the greatest, most innovative, like sci-fi uh, horror slash sci-fi, you know, of uh, you know, in recent memory that I can think of. Uh, John Carpenter just phenomenal creator and then on top of that i'm i i like to think of myself as a musician too i play in a couple of bands and everything but when i hear like i i am one of those people i honestly sometimes just throw on john carpenter soundtracks in my car like and just drive like they're so good uh he's so just out there with his vibes and and stuff that you you wouldn't imagine uh it, it almost seems like I, i'm trying to think of a good way to verbalize this but like it, it almost seems like uh, so lo-fi or whatever, you know, so so simple to recreate some of the stuff that he's doing. But uh, no, nobody else was doing this. You know, he, he kind of created it. Uh, uh, so just really cool stuff, has really cool vibe to it. I really love his music a lot. So I, I, w- I want to throw that out there. You know, I, it's but... funny, I write to a lot of his music. Um, yeah. I'm oh, a it's big fan of the Lost to. Anthologies, the two uh-huh. Lost Anthologies. Um, when I was working on the fog, I obviously listened to the score from the fog. Yeah, um, hell yeah. Because it's got a brilliant, it's just a bunch of brilliant music. And mm-hmm. my favorite movie of his is Halloween, which yes, that's an iconic soundtrack. Um, but I like he just he there's something about 
he just gets tension in music. Like yeah. He understands tension. And and he's got he's created some of the most intense, like scary movie music in modern film. And it's and it's so it's a lot of fun to listen to his stuff. I grew up with the fog and Halloween and Halloween two and Big Trouble in Little China and stuff like that being like yep. favorite movies. <clears throat> and um when I was given the opportunity to pitch for the fog, I couldn't believe it because mm-hmm. I was like you're gonna you're gonna give this to me, okay? And and I, and, and I wanted to run with it. And I watched I watched the movie like four or five times, and I was just like looking for things to kind of like pluck out of the because all I wanted to do was pay homage to his own. He's a guy who pays homage to the films he liked. Yeah. So in this comic, all I wanted to do was like pay homage to him, and to be reverent to this guy who's a fucking master. You know? yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you said it. Uh, he he is a uh, a fucking master. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I put him on a pedestal. You know, you think of uh, John Carpenter, and, and you think of uh, the projects that he's he's done, the movies he's released, and and wow. Uh, and and like we were both saying, no scores, man. I mean, uh, nothing nothing touches this. So no. <laughs> really, really no. good stuff. Um, now you were talking about. Uh, obviously um massive and and sumerian like uh you know kind of combining there to do this stuff we talked to sam freeman a couple of weeks ago had him on the podcast uh sam freeman uh pinning the basic instinct book for uh sumerian and uh yeah i'm the editor and letter on that book yeah okay wow that's that's so awesome um now we talked about that book and like i i will say uh you know, my co-host, he's not here right now. He doesn't usually do the interviews with me. I usually do those on my own. But um, uh, we we happened to to cover the book, uh, to cover uh, Basic Instinct on the podcast. Um, and basically, if you haven't checked out the podcast, uh, Steve, what it is is we take one single new number one book that came out that week, and we just break it the hell down. We also, you know, of course, talk about, like, comic book news and all that stuff that goes along with it. But um, we really take a deep dive into a single comic book that came out that week, and that's it. Um, and that's kind of our niche, you know, because uh, I can't say we're doing anything that innovative, but a lot of, you know, there's a lot of like first issue um, comic book podcasts. There's a lot of uh, comic book podcasters coming out or covering like a lot of things on the rack. So what we try to do is, is really narrow in on a single issue. Um, but, you know, we picked that issue and we broke it down and and I loved it, you know, and if, if not for anything, uh, Vanessa Del Rey, you know, is, is an amazing, amazing artist and, and her work on it was outstanding but i really liked what sam was doing with it and and i liked it because i was like you know this is weird in a way and this is it's it's not just novel it's like i like his storytelling and i like how in the nicest way possible it's a little bit undeveloped it's a little bit um you know whenever you read so many colin bond and joshua williamson stories and tom king and stuff like that they become almost like they're very very good and crafted really well but they almost come off a little bit formulaic sometimes and it's nice to see like a new fresh voice mixed in with that mm-hmm. uh and and i really liked what what sam was was mm-hmm. telling there and it, basically whenever we got into the interview when we were talking about it you know and we talked about uh basic instinct we talked about um american psycho and and all of that I didn't know exactly what uh, Massive and Sumerian were like doing here. Like, are they just taking like a lot of these like, you know, kind of cultish like franchises and and expanding upon the story, like doing something with those. And that kind of like, seems like 
something that they're going for, something that they have planned in the future. I don't know how much about that. You can say it's fine if you can't say anything, but um, uh, whether you can or not, like I, I really like that you landed on the fog. Um, it's it's funny because like I'll call Nathan in the middle of the mm -hmm. night and I'll be like, "Hey, I just had an idea." Let's go see if we can get the license for blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I and love like, that. Hey, like I pitched a couple of years ago when we were first getting to know each other and I, I wasn't with Behemoth yet. Mm -hmm. I wanted to pitch a sequel to The Rental. Did you Have you seen The Rental? I have not seen The Rental. Okay, The Rental is a phenomenal horror movie. Okay. That sneaks up on you. And it's it's kind of got a novel kind of hook to it. But the first two acts are like a drama mm -hmm. about – two couples that are staying in an Airbnb on like the West coast. And then one of the couple's dogs go missing. And as they're looking for the dog and the sun's starting to set this dude in a rubber mask that kind of looks like the creepy old guy from the six flags commercials, like <laughs> rises up out of the, the fog. That's like starting to permeate the woods. Mm -hmm. And third act is just dead, 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 dead. And it's just brutal pacing. And you're just like, what the fuck is this? And you figure out that, uh, spoiler alert, he's a serial killer who hangs out in Airbnbs waiting okay. for the next people to come. Wow. And so he hides in a closet. They go to bed, pops out of the closet, kills them. <laughs> you know, and it's just wild. So I pitched a, I just went to Nathan. I was like, dude, you watched The Rental? He's like, yeah, I loved it. Okay. Um, can I kill my fantasy football team? <laughs> my fantasy football friend, drafter friends. Mm -hmm. in, in a sequel where you have another set of people renting this thing. And I had went to this cabin in Helen, Georgia with my buddies from college. And it was just kind of idyllic. And it was like a perfect scenario. And we, we went as far as having like promotional art made. I had wow. composites made of several of my <laughs> friends from college. And it was gorgeous. Uh, Lorenzo Tometa was the artist. No, no, wait. Wait, who was it? I think. Yes? No. Um, we had a guy that's um, I, I get these two guys mixed up because their names are very similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was Lorenzo Tometa. He's working at Marvel now. And wow. we he was doing, like, samples for us. Uh -huh. So we had, like, a one-page sample, two-page sample, and then composites of my friends. And we never heard back from the licensing. They just never wow. responded. And it would have been it would have been so much fun. I pitched a Peaky Blinders uh, project. Um, that I, and I had, I was trying to get my friend, Rob Goodridge, Rob G who worked in comics for years attached to it. We went to high school together, mm -hmm. huge fans of Peaky Blinders. And I wanted to tell all the stories that happened like before or in between se seasons, stuff, connective tissue that didn't matter if we had it or not, but fans would love it. Mm -hmm. Perfect fan service. Uh, we we, we kind of just target things that we like. Like, I, I want to say that the owner of the company, Ash Abelson, whose father is John Abelson, Karate Kid, Rocky, Ash has made movies and television also, and he's, oh, wow. you know, kind of this Svengali of, of indie rock music. But, like, he, you know, he wants to make things that are a touchstone for him, too. And, and I want to say that he picked out a couple of really cool licenses um, Basic Instinct was one that I was like, whoa, I, I never thought we could make a comic book like this. Or, you know, the American Psycho one that we've made is, um, it turned a lot of heads. I think Michael Calero is really talented. Yeah. And I think it's like the perfect license for a cult following. 
And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that we can kind of get that again with the fog because like telling people that I'm working on this, your, their faces light up like, oh my God, that's the, that's the movie about the ghost leper pirates and, <laughs> and, and they chop the guy's head off. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, you remember. And it's a scary, it's, it was a, it, for 1980, it was a mm-hmm. traditional ghost story. Oh yeah. And, and, and you had this kind of like really cool start to the movie with the old guy on the beach telling the little kids scary, a scary campfire story. Mm-hmm. That and it kind of you know gives you the tone, and then it comes to life and like I I just love the opening of that movie with like the the gas station kind of ha- being haunted and things going awry and like you know a, a something crashes and, and you know the the gas pump starts pumping its own gas and, <laughs> and you just it's just these little weird things that would be terrifying if you just were walking down the street at night and something bad happened. So I want to, you know, we've, we've just, we've, we're looking at licenses constantly. Um, and we're also, the other cool thing that Sumerian does is they partner with bands on our label. Like we did the Concrete Jungle book with the Bad Omen, with yep. Bad Omens. Um, and uh, I'm the editor and letter on that. That was a fun book uh, that we did with um, Noah Sebastian, Kevin Rodatelli, um, Nicola Izzo, um, really great artist. Um, and it was a lot of fun, but, and it was punchy. And so you mm-hmm. can kind of do all this really cool genre bending type work when you can access music, you can access film, and then you can kind of make your own way. Um, we've got a lot of cool stuff in development that I can't really talk about. Sure. Um, one of them, one of the projects that I've worked on, um, I can say this, this, I don't think it's terrible, involves the Smashing Pumpkins and like the music inspired by the Smashing Pumpkins. Man, that's amazing. I, and, I can't wait for that. And it just kind of came together because like Ash is friends with Billy Corgan. Ash mm-hmm. came up with a, con- a tent pole. They handed it to me. I fleshed it out into a story. We scripted it out. We got an artist, a colorist. Um, we're just kind of waiting for how we can stage it out and to, to get like final approvals. Uh, licensing work and working with other people's IP is tough because mm-hmm you you got to make sure that you're not selling tacos out of their hot dog stand yep. and it's you've got to do the right thing with the content and they have to feel like they're respected in the content too and i mm-hmm. think that's highly important um right now i'm working on another major um i would call it probably the most important rock documentary that's ever been made and i can't really go beyond that but i'm working on a piece of like period fiction that runs tandem to it. Wow. And so you're, you're watching this documentary and all this stuff is happening and all these popular musicians are there. And I'm talking about a story about a cameraman who was working on it. <laughs> and, th- and then I'm intertwining hit that guy and his girlfriend with the band in question. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to take things like that and to have the challenge of working on projects that kind of push the limits of your creativity, but also push pushes your limits within the boundaries of something that really exists or something that you might like. I mean, you just reacted to the, the smashing pumpkins thing. Yes, like, definitely. You know, you definitely <laughs> want to read that was a, a, that was a cornerstone band for me in high school. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It, they kind of represented to me kind of the weird outsiders. Yep. Uh, and it was like music meant for me. And it's, it was so relatable when I was a kid. Um, so there's lots of cool stuff that we do and it's, it's such a luxury to be able to work with licensed content that you like. So having things like the fog handed to me where I got to, 
you know, turn this in. And I don't know the, the actual level of truth behind this, but I was told that Carpenter looked at what had a hand in looking at the proposals. So wow. he has his own comic book company with his wife. He has, mm-hmm. they have their own brand. So to have, to, to be told, Hey, yours got picked. That means he had a hand in that. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's like Willy Wonka gave me some candy. You know? <laughs> I'm a diabetic. So yeah, I'll still eat it. But like, Hell yeah. having, your, having somebody you absolutely adore their work endorse your work. It's a huge feather in your cap. Oh yeah. I mean, it has to be uh, such a good feeling too, you know, uh, a validating feeling and, and uh, just uh, wonderful. And, you know, to, to know that I'm, that I'm talking to a guy, you know, here who, who is involved and, and that kind of thing. Now, when, when we initially made contact, you know, uh, we, you know, I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag here. We, we talked through Instagram before, (laughs) you know, uh, meeting up here on, on StreamYard and and, and recording this, but, um, uh, you know, I didn't know your level of involvement. I, 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 of course, wanted to figure that out here through the podcast and everything. But um, yeah, and and you're right. Uh, uh, Smashing Pumpkins for me also. Look, I'm I'm 40 years old, so you know, I they were they were coming out at a time that was very influential for me. And and I hate to say this, I always feel pretentious when I say this. So please excuse the pretension here because it definitely is going to be thick. But um. I, I love the Smashing Pumpkins a lot. They, they were a very important band to me as well. And that's kind of why my eyes lit up whenever you said that. I loved grunge music. I loved uh, uh, shoegazy type of music. I, I loved, uh, you know, indie in that time as well. You know, what was, I think at that point, we were calling it college rock or whatever. But um, I, I loved all that music. And the reason that I loved that music so much was because while most of my friends and everything were identifying with like Nirvana and things like that, I really couldn't get on board with that. It was a little too harsh for me and I didn't love it. Um, not that I hated Nirvana or anything. I just wasn't the hugest fan. But, you know, hearing the Smashing Pumpkins, hearing the Screaming Trees, you know, uh, stuff like that that had a little bit of a more melodic edge to it uh, really kind of brought me into that kind of music and, and kind of shaped uh, who I became later in life. So uh, to hear that you're, you're working on that is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm 47. I, you know... I remember being in the ninth grade and getting Nevermind and, you know, and be, being in like my junior high school and getting a copy of Siamese Dream and mm-hmm. listening to Gish with my best friend oh, yeah. in like 1992, 93 and being introduced to the Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And it's, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, college, college band music, college music, um, grunge. There were like Nirvana was certainly toward the avant-garde with, mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. their stuff lyrically it was a lot grittier they they really messed with sound in a way that other bands did not yeah um and Kirk Cobain was a creative genius and it sure. was really unfortunate to have him end his life or you know at such a young age before we could see what this guy could do you know as he matured because oh, you yeah. can look at certain musicians and they almost transform over time like mm-hmm. I think one of the best people to look at somebody like elton john who (laughs) kind of was campy and a cartoon character and he kind of transformed himself multiple times madonna did the same thing you Mm -hmm. can look at these larger than life people that have these you know prolific careers and it's all about just like transforming Mm -hmm. and i think comics has that too I, i think that there is definitely you can look at at project you know like major big two books and look at the changes that Batman has gone through since the late 60s, early 70s. Yep. Or like the X-Men, 
you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, this is such a medium, a wonderful medium for change and to be evocative for any kind of growth, progression, um, to, to take things and transform them. Um, I watch a lot of like Chopped and you're watching okay. like people take <laughs> spaghetti and sabudana poha and all these mm-hmm. weird ingredients and they make things and they transform them into something else. And it's, and it's, you can do the same thing in comics. So it was fun to take something like the fog and go, where can I take this and not have it, you know, pay respect to it in the past, but also push it past that into something new. And I started tying, like I, without spoiling anything, mm-hmm. I started, my concept came from local, local paranormal lore from the region of the country I'm from. Very cool. Yeah, and I was, Look, I was introduced I, I, into some weird stuff, and I just said, I don't want to steal that. <laughs> I, I like that you bring that up, too. Like, I, I don't want to cut you off, like, at all, but, um, you know, a, a lot of people, I, I guess, um, you know, a, a lot of people know a lot about the thing. They know a lot about uh, Halloween, all of that. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people, uh, The Fog is, you know, definitely a, a big movie in their life and a big John Carpenter movie, and I'm not downplaying that at all, but I think that, you know, you immediately uh, go to the thing and, and, and to Halloween. Now, uh, a lot of people probably don't know unless they, you know, really look heavily into it that uh, John Carpenter was inspired, you know, to, to write The Fog. Like, it was kind of like an inspiration from the the 1958 uh, sci-fi, like, B-horror movie, The Trollenberg Terror, which is, I think it was released, like, separately in the U.S. under the name The Crawling Eye. If, yes. Yeah, like... I mean, so he was inspired by that. Like, and if you take a look at that story, it's definitely not, um, it's definitely not the same thing by any means, but you can see like how he would get inspired to write the fog, you know, by, by uh, watching that. It's kind of like a, it starts off at like a Dyatlov's past kind of thing, but with like a crazy radioactive cloud and stuff. And then uh, it was that. And then he took a trip to Stonehenge and then kind of noticed like a fog creeping towards him. And he was like, all right, I have like this thought here. Um, right. which uh, is so cool. <clears throat> so it's like, he took something that really inspired him and expanded on that and made his own story out of it. And like you said, you're taking, uh, this that inspires you and expanding upon that and making your own story out of it. Yeah. The, the big thing that I started asking myself is at the end of the fog, the curse is lifted and yeah. you know, the curse of the Antonio Bay is gone. You've satisfied this ghost and his crew's need for revenge. So where does it go from there? And, and I was like, what happened to the big golden cross at the end? Because it disappeared. <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, they come back and they chop Father Malone's head off and then they disappear again. And that's the end. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, well, what happens to a, like, what if you're just in an area steeped in paranormal energy and you, you're still haunted? All these creatures are still around. They don't like dissipate, but yeah. like. Now, what if, you know, what if Captain Blake's like a passive ghost that haunts, you know, the Antonio Bay area, but he doesn't really do anything. He just Mm kind of, he's just, like, they've done plenty of studies on paranormal stuff where there are just passive, there's just passive energy in the notion that some kind of energy or spirit may inhabit a space, but not do anything malevolent in it. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So what could I, how could I manage that? in a different way. And then that's when I started importing local lore from where I'm from without, again, this is not a spoiler. 
But there was a story that a buddy of mine, who's actually one of my old college professors, a retired history professor, we were, I was helping him go to a doctor's appointment. He's in his late sixties, mm-hmm. and he was. We were driving him back to his home, and he was telling me about this guy that lived. Uh, he he kind of just appeared in the woods. He was like a three year old. They found him naked in the woods. Wow. No way to identify where he came from, and. It, he called him the man from nowhere. Like he couldn't, he was like, I don't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but they, he ended up with a family locally. They adopted him. He went on and lived his life, blah, blah, blah. But it was like always weird that he was found in the woods and they couldn't fix, you know, this was the 18, late 1800s. It's not like he could have gotten very far mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the wilds of the woods as a naked three-year-old. Sure. So, to have this guy, this creature, so apparently they had exhumed him from what from what my, my friend told me, and he was like, I, I was like, I really need to research this more because I want to know more. He goes, I, you know, I just, this is all oral tradition, so I don't even know if it's real. And I was like, this is a fantastic oral story that yeah. I'm just going to kind of reference and lift some of the ideas of this about this guy that was a part of Antonio Bay. And it turns out that, like, the Antonio Bay centennial celebration that happens in the fog, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like it ruined that town. So like what happened to the town afterwards who stepped around? And now, now that there's all these paranormal things that we've, we've glamorized and stuff. What if it became like a tourist attraction again? Mm -hmm. So Antonio Bay is starting to thrive again and it's, everything's a paranormal bed and breakfast, which I actually stayed in a haunted hotel in South Dakota a few years ago. And uh. I kind of riffed on that. And I said, <laughs> you know, what if there's like an Airbnb where they hand you like a EMP, you know, measurement device. And that's basically all my girlfriend and my, I did at the time as we walked in this <laughs> hotel, walking up to things and watching the little meter spike. And it was like, anytime we walk next to something metal, it spikes in it. Oh, electromagnetic waves. Got it. Mm-hmm. But you know, like again, that, so it's just <clears throat> tying all these little tendrils together into a new monster and giving, you know, referencing the movie without like becoming hand fisted and just recycling the movie. So yeah. I, like the one key thing that I can say is that my lead character is Andy all grown up. So it's, awesome. It's Andrew, Andy <laughs> Wayne. Wait to read this. So Andrew <laughs> Wayne is like, a, you know, a guy who lives in town. Mm-hmm. He's married to another prominent family member from another family from town. Stevie Wayne is still running the radio station. <laughs> yes. The White House. <laughs> and she's dating uh. a guy that was kind of a background character in the original movie. And mm-hmm. it was like the best way to pay homage to Carpenter is by drawing John Carpenter into my book as a character. Uh, so the janitor guy that cleaned the church. <laughs> is in the the new book and he's dating andrew wayne's mom and it's like you know it's you know it's kind of fun to do things like that to because he references movies all the time sam loomis is a reference to psycho yep you know Mm -hmm. the first protagonist hero of psycho is sam loomis so you that's where you know loomis comes from in halloween but like all of the names bracket all of these people's names that he uses in all these movies are just recycled names of friends and people that worked with him and they show back up and they show back up and they show back up. And so I just kept doing the same thing and playing on the same kind of notes, but playing you a new tune. And this book is very fast paced. It's very, it's, I don't, I, 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 I didn't want to do something disjointed and like ethereal. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a standard plot. You know, it's a three act story, 
that's over four issues and it has a really nice amount of rising action and then i just kind of smack you with this large <laughs> sort of um uh, final point and then it trickles off really fast like a lot of people's denouement at the end of the story can unwind in any sort of way where you're explaining so much postmodernism has ruined us as an audience i i feel personally because we need to know why about everything or yep. we have to have these weird explanations or these like mm -hmm. or non-explanations where it's just like and somehow palpatine returned like <laughs> like that kind of garbage and and you don't explain anything you're just you just kind of like dump yourself on your audience which i think mm -hmm. is not a good way to tell a story so it's and you do a lot of assumption that way so this is a pretty cut and dry like you know linear story but it's because I really hope that it sells well enough so I can do more. And Nathan and I were talking, Nathan Yoakum, co-publisher of the brand. Um, he was like, yeah, if, if we can, you know, if we can do this again, if you got four more in you, let's uh, hopefully we can do it. And so I leave it on a really wide open end, kind of like the way that the original movie ended, where you have the ghosts turn back up and come collect their due. And you know, and, I'm and not that saying ending. there's a, father, a headless Father Malone in my story, <laughs> but there might be a headless Father Malone in my story. <laughs> but you're not not saying that there. No, um, not yeah, I, I'm with you, and that's one of the things that makes that movie so important to me, and 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 really, you know, makes it kind of stand out as like uh, something very different. You know, is that ending? Is is that okay? This is finalized. It's wrapped up. No, it's not. We're coming in for that second hit for you know, and then it ends. Um. And, and you're right. Uh, a lot of uh, material, you know, that comes out nowadays is it's almost like they're scared to trust the audience. You know, uh, we, we've you, learned we've learned that derivative nostalgia is safe. Yeah. We've learned that brands that have recognizability and time honored, you know, banknotes are safe. So there isn't a lot of new mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. And you, so you have this, a, a lot of, you know, iterations of iterations of iterations. Mm -hmm. And we, we've, you know, been banking on that now for 10, 15 years. <laughs> I, it's really yeah. weird. I'm 47. I started buying my own comic books with my own allowance when I was like seven, eight. Yep. And I was buying my first two big comics when I was getting my earned hard earned money was Transformers and G.I. Joe because oh, I was yeah. part of that oh, marketing yeah. monster. <laughs> and now I'm 47. I just drove to a comic book store and I bought transformers and gi joe and that's pretty much the only books i buy well you'll be happy to know that your interview is included on the cobra commander episode of the podcast so uh yeah i'm a destro yeah. guy but that's rad <laughs> hey, fair enough yeah um yeah and you know and and i was gonna you know kind of relate it to that actually you know uh like like you were saying um or or kind of like the the thought that i was uh pulling out of, of, of what you were saying there a lot of times we're scared to trust the audience to, you know, uh, make, make things subtle to, to let your imagination wander a little bit, to let you as the audience do a little bit of world building yourself. Uh, we, we slam it down their throats. We have to, you know, have, um, uh, so much explanation, so much exposition, so much explaining going on. Now take the book that we covered today, which was, uh, Cobra commander from Joshua Williamson over there at, uh, skybound and image. And, I mean, I'm not a huge like uh, G.I. Joe or Transformers guy. Now, we've covered Transformers number one by Philip Kennedy Johnson. We've covered for Duke, and now we've done uh, Cobra Commander. 
some of my favorite books that we've done in recent memory, just so well done. And this comes from somebody with no knowledge of Transformers or G.I. Joe beforehand. Uh, and it's just because of those storytellers, what they're able to do there with their, uh, you know, uh, dialogue and, 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 and with the artists and everything. And just, uh, yeah, just some outstanding stuff. So much, so much of comic books is the world building is already there for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you, it, 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 as long as you've got an artist that can draw buildings and cars and horses and trees, <laughs> there's, there's a wealth of material. Mm-hmm. So character-driven stories are so much more important. It's really hard to tell a story if you don't know anything about your lead. You yes. don't know anything about your antagonist. You, you don't understand their place in their own world. So, And I think that that's part and parcel, again, part of postmodernism and how it's infected media is that we have to kind of like barrel through it. And, and I think that we have to start to find our way to these character-driven stories again. I, I just bought Cobra Commander and Duke. Like I'm a collector too. So I've been like buying the ratio variants oh, and yeah. then I'll drive to the store. That's like 30 minutes from my house. That's near my gym and I'll go buy a few comics and then read them. And so I've got a bag out in the living room. That's got transformers. Number four, G.I. Joe 303, which just came out today, Cobra Commander mm-hmm. number one and Duke number one. And I'm oh. going to read them all tonight. And, and I already <laughs> know enough from going on websites and, and talking to people on the web. I don't care about spoilers. Pe- mm-hmm. I get in a lot of trouble because I'm like a spoiler-proof person. Because <laughs> for me, I don't care about the surprise. I care about the execution. Yep. And, and it's like I expect surprises. I hope you're trying to surprise me in a book. So therefore, spoilers aren't important to me, like the hook of something. Mm-hmm. I really want to know if your hook's developed. And that's probably the editor in me thinking about <laughs> how stories are told and the creator in me, the craftsman in me, when I'm like, how did you construct your story? Because if point A and point B, you can't get to it from what you've created, well, why am I spending my hard-earned money on your story if you can't even land your plane? Hey guys, editing Dan from the future here. Wanted to let you know that we did end up breaking this uh, interview into two parts. Um, So you can look for the second part of this dropping next week on our next episode. But I did want to make sure that I included this information in the breakup here. That the fog number one is going to be out from Sumerian and Massive. Uh, The release date is... February 28th, 2024. The FOC for this book is January 28th. So make sure you get your orders into your local comic book shop. Uh, Before that, let them know that you're interested in picking up a copy. And uh, also, yeah, you can check Steve out on X. Uh, He's at Steve underscore Ekstrom. That's E-K-S-T-R-O-M. And uh, on Instagram at Steve.Ekstrom. You can also go back and pick up uh, Steve's previous book, Soko, out from Sumerian. All of this will be in the show notes, and it will all be repeated again on the next episode, but just wanted to make sure you guys knew that information. Very, very important. Make sure you reach out to your local comic book shop and let them know that you do want a copy of The Fog in your pool. Uh, Very, very important. So make sure you guys get that. Thank you so much, and uh, back to the episode. And we are back with episode number 54 of the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. Bob, 
hit him with some books that are coming out next week. But before we do that, we have a very, very important message from Bob. It's disclaimer time with Bob. Yeah, and like I always say, these are just a few of the comics that, fingers crossed, <laughs> may or may not be coming out next week. So if you want to have a more in-depth list, please consult us where, you know, please go to a different website, uh, consult with your local comic shop, you know, call them, actually go up there. Um, Wait a second, are you saying to visit a local comic book shop in person, yeah. Bob? Yeah, uh, That sounds a little I mean, risky. I know, I, mean, I, know, I know everybody likes the internet and <laughs> online kind of stuff, but sometimes it's nice to actually get out of the house and interact with people. Well, uh, you are speaking to nerds, a.k.a. me, so uh, we'll see uh, how, how much interacting we'll be doing. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Bob. Get out. Go to your local comic book shop. Uh, uh, you know, uh, give them a call. Do whatever you got to do. Um, of course, if you're in Jacksonville, Florida, like Bob and I, you can hit up Gotham City Limit. And Ben or Jonathan would be happy to tell you everything that's coming out. Uh, they'd be happy to let you know about delays if things aren't coming out as well. Uh, they're good for that. Uh, whenever you get down to uh, Gotham City Limit, or hell, even if you don't live in town, give them a call. They'd be happy to go over the books with you. Make sure that you guys congratulate Jonathan on his uh, engagement where he did propose to his fiance yes. in front of yes. the Millennium Falcon. At Star Wars, uh, at Disney. I know, so, I congratulate them. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, Jonathan. Very if you're awesome. you're going to propose that. That's is, the way to do it, that's right? Great with yeah. That, I mean, that made it great in my book. And, right and that's a story for the kids. I yeah. mean, because think about it, Bob. How many people, you know, uh, propose, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, wherever on a mountain or some bullshit or, or they, you know, wrap up a little box on Christmas and have it under the tree or, or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's not a compelling story. It's not that interesting. Look, if Joshua <laughs> Williamson was writing a proposal comic book, uh, he'd do it in front of the Star Wars uh, Millennium Falcon as well and not, you know, wrapped up under the tree on Christmas morning. So, yeah, congratulations, Jonathan. And, and like we said, hit up Gotham City Limit if you're here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, go buy some books, whatever. Take it to the limit. Bob, what's coming out? So, starting off, we have one that I know I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. We have Star Wars Thrawn Alliances number one. Wow. Uh, I know nothing about Thrawn or his alliances, but... <laughs> so, this is basically... Um, there was there was a um, new Thrawn trilogy mm -hmm. by uh, Timothy Zahn, written after, the, after Disney took over. Okay. And one of the books was Thrawn Alliances, so this is basically an adaptation of the book mm. in comic book form. Oh, I see, I see. I am familiar with... Looking at that book, at least, and one, uh, one and they're actually getting Timothy Zahn to write for the character that he created, that he made beloved. Oh, very cool. Yes, which right. you know stuff like that. When they get the original person who created that character, mm -hmm. I mean, that's such a win in my book. He knows this character inside and out. Yeah, very cool. Um, and this one's getting a 1 in 100 variant cover by uh, Taryn Clark. Uh, so, yeah, uh, all the way up to a 1 in 100 incentive. Uh, might be something big in the bones of this book, so it might be yeah. worth checking that one out. I agree with Bob there. 
So the next one from Marvel <laughs> has kind of gotten the um, internets and social media and kind of a little bit of tizzy. The next yeah, one this is... This one's a controversial book now, maybe. The next one is X-Men number 48. X-Force, yes. But X-Force. X-Force 48. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, and, and this one has a variant cover. That is by John Cassidy, who is you know, a, a, a very, um, you know, a, very talented artist. Yeah, super talented artist. We've seen some really, really cool stuff from John Cassidy. Uh, but this cover is very, very questionable. And if you've not seen this cover, just go ahead and type in X Force 48 Cassidy on Google or something or Bang or whatever. Uh, search option you use america online whatever it is and uh, i'm sure it will pop up in the images there we have a huge headshot of beast from the side i don't know with some spittle coming out uh with wolverine and a very big front. underbite yeah a very large underbite and then we have wolverine in front of that uh popping his claws and Bob, I wouldn't know exactly how to explain this art to anyone, but I think we said it well earlier when we said take like Rob Liefeld uh, at his worst, crossed with John Romita Jr. at his worst. Well, and, and now, now that I, now <laughs> that I'm looking at it, you know, much closer, also mix in a little um, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> okay, I can see that. I guess um, this is a very very interesting cover. We're still not sure if it's, you know, some kind of troll or something by John Cassidy. Because like we said, John Cassidy, very, very talented. But we've seen the same kind of thing this past year with uh, Frank Miller uh, putting out some stuff that, you know, Frank Miller, uh, also very good artist, uh, put out some very, very weird, questionable things this, this past year that uh, were not uh, up to his normal uh, caliber of, of art I'm, I'm i'm hoping i'm hoping ai is starting to slowly creep in i don't know i don't know what the hell's going on here it could just be a joke who knows make sure you guys check this one out i'm telling you if, if if nothing else if you don't check out the stuff we're talking about you know all the time whatever check this one out go ahead and just do a quick google search and and see what we're talking about because this is a interesting cover to say the least yes <laughs> Uh, next up from DC, we have Penguin number six. And here we go again with, I don't know why this is supposed to make this interesting to anybody. This is the origin of Batman and Penguin's first encounter. Uh, Bob, does it matter? Who cares? Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I look, I'm, I'm all for making, you know, comics like important for, for whatever reason and, and whatever's going on. Um, I've heard good stuff about this Penguin series, and it is written by Tom King, who's you know an all-star writer. Yeah. So maybe it'll be you know worth something, but I don't know. I mean, the origin of someone's first encounter, like it just seems like such a stretch to me for that uh, to be something that we're supposed to care about. Staying with DC, we have Harley Quinn number thirty-six. A uh, backup fantasy tale envisions Harley Quinn as Harley the Barbarian. Gee, I wonder what that's a parody of. <laughs> I don't know. Let me get sued. She's also like a cyclops on the cover, so I'm not sure what's going on there, but very interesting. 
Uh, from Marvel, we get the fourth issue of Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099. Bob, we've got the first team appearance of a new Terror Inc. Excited about this one. And then very excited about the final issue, which will have Man-Thing 2099. <laughs> Sticking with Marvel, we get well. one of the most random Marvel teams. Power Pack into the storm number one. Yes, Power Pack is back. Power Pack is back in this five-issue series where the Power siblings take action when their friend Franklin Richards has a premonition of a galactic threat hurtling their way. Could it be Galactus? It could be. That is a galactic threat. Did he get his spaceship back? <laughs> well, <laughs> only time will tell. Does he have that fur coverage suit? <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> Please. Fingers crossed. Uh, sticking with Marvel, we have Resurrection of Magneto number one. A four-issue limited series that resurrects Magneto after his death in X-Men Red number seven. First appearance of the dogs there for the, <laughs> for the pod. And finally, from Whatnot slash Massive, we have Crashdown number one. Bob, let me go ahead and say something. Again, like, might be a hot take here. I don't know. We've we've expressed our opinions about things like this. Your favorite writers? Yeah. Um, I put up a poll on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube um, to decide the book that we would be covering next week. And we'll get into that in a moment. One of the books, uh, I wanted to make it fair, so you know I mix up the publishers, mix up the number ones, all of that, of course, as I always do. Uh, this book came down as a contender. Um, this is Crashdown number one. This is written by Comic Tom 101 and Fire Guy Ryan, uh, who are uh, Tom Garcia and Ryan Sargent, uh, with art by Ben Templesmith. So at the very least, the art's going to be gonna amazing. Be um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a nice looking book. Uh, but I'm sorry, Bob. I'm sorry. I feel bad. Uh, but Comic Tom 101, I, I mean, know. I know. Uh, it, I know. it just, I'm, I was boycotting this book and I was not going to pick it up. And then I said, I've got to put it in the, in the, you know, poll of, of books that we might cover. And it looked like we might be, you know, at first I was like, we might be covering this one. I, I'm not going to give away what we are covering, but I am excited to say it is not this book. So I do not have to uh, put any money in Comic Tom's hands. So I'm excited about that. Uh, sorry, again. Anyways, those are the new books that are coming out next week. And Bob, it got so quiet. I don't know <laughs> what happened. Um, it's almost like the dogs have disappeared uh, from existence altogether, but they've not. They're just quiet now because... Is saying they'll snap again? Oh, God, I hope not. And, and the only thing he took with him was dogs? That would be terrible. Yeah, it actually would. Just the pet Avengers? Ooh, um, uh, Kyle Starks. Maybe we could get a Marvel Unleashed 2 where uh, Thanos, uh, the, the decimation happens and it's just like all the pets. Uh, wow. So have you, have you um, just to, just to go on another tangent mm -hmm. here, have you ever seen those uh, memes of um, when um, uh, Thanos does the snap mm -hmm. and then somebody tells them that, uh, one, uh, that one of the victims was John Wick's dog? Oh, God, no. And Thanos just gets this word, this, <laughs> oh, shit, he's like, like his face. He's like, I could take on the Avengers, but I could not, not take John on John Wick. Wick. Wow. Um, not an angry John Wick who's no. lost his dog. Uh, no. 
Yeah, uh, we all know what happens when John Wick loses his dog. <laughs> Nothing good, that's no. for sure. Not for you. Um, yeah, uh, Bob, this is probably the fifth book that we pitched for Marvel uh, this week on the podcast. Yeah, I love it. Now, let's take that in reverse. Uh, Kyle Starks, if you're listening, Marvel, if you're listening, uh, Marvel Unleashed Part Two, we do the decimation, but instead of the Pet Avengers, let's have all of the humans on earth disappear in the decimation and only be left with the pets. And then they're scouring like earth, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what to do and, and, and kind of, uh, uh, an in game fashion, how to get everything back to normal. But with the pet Avengers, God, that would be amazing. I, I would read the Avengers, shit out of that. Avengers in game with animals. Yeah. God, that'd wow. be amazing. I'd, I'd love to see that, man. We're on a roll this week, Bob. Uh, let's, uh, I had to brush off our pens, but, um, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the book that we are going to cover next week. Again, that, was compiled from um uh, a poll that i had posted on youtube sorry comic tom yes as well as yes indeed uh not sorry not sorry comic tom um as well as instagram and tiktok and uh so i'm, I'm just gonna go in order of what got the least votes to the most votes uh you know a little bit of anticipation is always mm -hmm. fun right so uh coming in a tie for last place was the image book this ends tonight and the image book ghost machine now i'm not gonna lie i was kind of thinking ghost machine might have taken it because ghost machine kind of lays out like a whole new universe uh ghost machine is like an imprint that uh now let me pull it up here uh so i can say the correct creator uh ghost machine being jeff john's Peter J. Tomasi, uh, Brad Meltzner, uh, Lamont McKee, uh, a whole bunch of people on really? this thing. Brian Hitch is on it. Francis Menopool, uh, Jason Fabuk. Uh, there's so many people wow. on this project here, but it got you know the least amount of votes along with uh, this ends tonight. So both the image books out of the race to to be the contender for well, next not, week. Not only not only that it's you know such a talented creative team, mm -hmm. but the fact that you know the two last place books are from the same imprint. Exactly, uh, and and you know this ends tonight as well. Uh, that is uh, written by Jerry Dugan. So uh, a huge. It's got Jay Lee on art. Like I mean. This is probably going to be a very good book, but again, uh, at the bottom there. Um, so this is not what people wanted to hear on the podcast uh, uh, next week. So very interesting. Um, now, number two uh, for, sorry, second place in, in this uh, poll here was Crash Down. So uh, the whatnot book by uh, Comic Tom and whoever else, Fireman Ryan or whatever, uh, so I can't believe that so many people would rather hear us talk about a comic Tom book than a Jeff a, Johns book. A Jeff Johns, Jerry Tugan, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, very interesting. And all I could think of was, you know, it's always more interesting to hear people trash things, I guess, than, than talk good about them. So, you know, everybody's got to know. I'm you sorry. Think, you think that was a troll pick? It's got to be. Um, but it's not a single troll. So I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but what did end up winning out was the Dungeons and Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures, as IDW has been doing those Saturday Morning Adventures uh, books, you know, kind of making them the 
Saturday morning cartoon versions of themselves. I'm um, not going to start playing the game. Well, you never know. Uh, Bob might start playing the game. But um, I might. <laughs> we <laughs> will be covering next week Dungeons & Dragons Saturday morning adventures that uh, won by a landslide is all I can say. So... Uh, we will be covering that. Very excited to cover that, actually. Yeah. Uh, we've, you know, uh, going through this podcast, we're dipping into so many things that I never thought that I would read. You said it before, too. There's so many books in here that, you know, weren't really on your radar, aren't really your type yeah. of book to pick yeah. yourself. Uh, so it's always fun to me whenever we get something a little different. Whoever thought G.I. Joe would be on your radar. Exactly. Uh, not me. That is for sure. So uh, I'm excited to to be covering that book and see where it goes from there. Uh, that about wraps it up for us though. As always, make sure you guys use our hashtag all new, all different nation to be entered in our weekly giveaway and, uh, check us out on Instagram at a N a D underscore number one comics podcast on X at a N a D N O comic pod on TikTok at a N a D number one comics pod and on YouTube under the comic book channel. Uh, and, and like I said, uh, use that hashtag if you want to be entered in our giveaway to win a copy of the book that we covered this week. Uh, you definitely want a copy of this, so make sure you use that hashtag. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week for some Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs>